Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to the Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network. In the future, none of you are heroes. You're legends. Get driven. Stay driven. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening and thank you for tuning in to our Thursday night programming of Totally Driven Radio. <laughs> but why wouldn't you tune into the greatest show heard all around the world? <laughs> How about you? Let me hear you. Uh, I did not hang up and call back in to see if we would make a difference. Yeah, it's me. It's me because even the, the intro music and all was low. So uh, why don't I'll we do that? I heard uh, fine. Yeah, can can you next guys hear each other okay? Yeah, I, I can you. hear him perfect. Yeah, we wow, hear okay. you good too. It sounds like you're in a uh, in a tunnel. It does. So why don't we do this? Uh, lovely technical difficulties right off the bat. Um, why don't we uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do our commercial break now? We'll pay bills super early, get that out of the way. Um, I'll reboot. And uh, Nick, can you log in real quick to keep things ro- rolling while I reboot? Yes, that depends on your definition of the word quick, but sure. <laughs> well, I, I got to do a little talk up before we hit the commercial button, anyway. So, um, we do have a new uh, we do have a, a new uh, sponsor here, Totally Driven Entertainment. Uh, the whole kit to our magazine and all, um, and that's the one and only Black Man, Chris Fraley Presents dot com. Uh, he's super funny. He's hysterical. He's crazy. He's wacky, and he's totally driven. Make sure you check him out. Go to chrisfraleypresents.com. Uh, you'll hear more in this commercial. You did. I don't know if you guys have probably haven't. I haven't played the commercial since uh, since uh, we've been back on. Yeah, it's, it's a new commercial. So um, and he made it like a little quick episode of like a, a superhero thing. It's kind of funny. So uh, Nick, just give me the go ahead when you're ready. I will. 
and then and then when we come back from uh, from rebooting, we will uh, be talking to Kristen Burke, who will be joining us tonight. Um, we have a lot to talk, to talk about. about. Uh, I guess the the big news is uh, the, the passing of uh, icon Mr. Hugh Hefner today. So uh, sad day in the world of <laughs> in the world of men all over the the, the planet. Looks like you are good to go, boss. All right, cool. All right, so here we go. Here's the new. Uh, here's our blocking commercials. We'll be back in a few minutes. Uh, ChrisTraleyPresents.com. I am Black Man. Baby Man dies one stereotype at a time. To the Black Mobile. To the corner of Martin Luther King Street and Malcolm X Boulevard, pronto. Will black man make it to the crime on time? Or will he be on CPT? Stay tuned at ChrisFrailyPresents.com. Attention business owners, website owners, event promoters, or anyone looking to promote your product. The Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network is the perfect way to spread the word of your business around the world. That's right. You can advertise at our network and be played on all of our shows at rates that are so cheap. It's a no-brainer. For more information, contact Bay Ragney at bayragney at gmail.com. To keep your business driven, stay driven with Totally Driven Entertainment. Are you a fan of Sherlock Holmes? Letters from Holmes offers unique, one-of-a-kind letters from the world-famous detective himself. Handwritten on 8.5-inch by 11-inch aged parchment paper and using smudge-free ink to produce original, high-quality letters that fans will treasure for years to come. Each letter is handcrafted and written from the perspective of Sherlock Holmes, mimicking Holmes's native tongue and embracing many of the famous detectives' quirks, quips, insults and peculiarities. Order a love letter, birthday greeting, personal correspondence or more only at www.etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash letters from Holmes. For $5 today, you can buy a wealth of things. Gas for your car, rent a movie for the family, a few slices of pizza, $5 still takes you a long ways. But did you know that $5 can buy your child a bag of heroin in the streets? That's right. For only $5, your son or daughter can buy some of the cheapest and purest dope in the country. Be aware of the lies. Be aware of the stealing. Be aware that's all it takes to kill your child. $5. This message was brought to you by Casey's Cause, a group of parents located in southern Chester County out to save your child's life. Come join us today at www.caseyscause.com. And remember... $5 is all it takes. Casey's Cause, www.caseyscause.com. Looking for that perfect gift for your girlfriend? Then look no further than Teddy Scares. Teddy Scares are available in a variety of styles, sizes, and prices for all your shopping needs. Teddy Scares are a mix of cute and creepy to make a great gift for almost any age. Board up your windows, lock your doors, and log on to teddyscares.com. And be sure to become our friends at facebook.com slash teddyscares. Calling all comic book fans. Do you collect comics? Did you ever collect comics? Do you think your children might like reading comic books? Do you even know they still print real, paper, non-digital comic books? Well, then visit the Pirates of Ontario Street Comics in Philadelphia. 
We have a massive collection of comic books, action figures, trading cards, and much more. We have one of the largest stocks of back-issue comics in the area. We bag and board every new comic book at no extra charge. Our store is voted the best comic book shop in the 2013 PHL 17 Hot List Contest. Part of the movie Unbreakable is filmed in our store. We are open seven days a week. Ontario Street Comics is located at 2235 East Ontario Street in the Port Richmond section of Philly. Our phone number is 215-288-7338. Type in the words Ontario Comics Philadelphia to check out our Wacky Stores page on Facebook. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear us? Oh, dude, I just screwed up. I'm actually on my phone right now. Having major problems here. It's like not now. Yeah, it's like not letting me connect. I might have to reboot again. But I'm on my phone. (laughs) Gotta love it, right? Yep. All right. You know what? Let me reboot one more time. I'm on my phone. It's just way you guys can we can talk while. Uh, yeah, man. It, it's it hasn't been a while since Blog Talk has given us trouble. It's it's uh, knock on wood, uh-huh. right? Yeah, you say that uh-huh. now. Now for like the next month, we'll have trouble. <clears throat> yeah. Exactly. So what's uh, haven't really uh, we haven't really talked in two weeks since the last show? Uh, what's been going on? Uh, lots going on. So I know there's lots going on. Bankers. So uh, what are you going to do now, Janetti? Cry. <laughs> Honestly, I don't buy much. I don't buy much from Toys R Us. Usually, only if they have. Uh, what do you call it? Some kind of exclusive that comes out. But normally, I pick my shit up from uh, Walmart. Anyway. Now, what do you think has been a bigger like death in the world of uh, Toys R Us? Do you think it's like your your WalMarts and your Targets, or, or Amazon? I would probably say Amazon, but the problem also is, is they are basically. The the killer of Kitty City. You remember Kitty City? Oh, uh, of course. And, you know, and Clover and a few of the others. They killed off a lot of the toy things when they came out because they were a toy warehouse. Uh, they should be getting these prices cheaper than fucking Walmart anyway. Right. And, you know, even if they are, whether they are or they aren't, you know, they're charging a, a lot more for a lot more shit. It is it is kind of ridiculous when you walk into these places, and 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 to be honest with you, I think it's the toy manufacturers themselves that have killed off uh, Toys R Us because they're just charging way too much. Well, that was I think always the problem. They 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 all did charge um, way too much, and the. Uh, you know, I, I, I deal with the Marvel Legends. I get the Marvel Legends. Uh, the original Marvel Legends, when they first came out in early, well, mid-2000s, 
they were seven, eight dollars. Huge figures, seven, eight dollars. Yeah. Are those the ones Today, that are like the old school GI Joes, where they're like no, large no, no, size? No. no, these are like six, seven inch figures. Okay. You know those those size. They came in a in a nice plastic clamshell. It was a nice piece, uh, and they were maybe at the most nine dollars, depending on where you got. Uh, today, which is we're talking twelve to fifteen years later, those same figures, a little bit smaller than they used to be, and now you're paying nineteen, twenty, twenty one dollars for them. So now is that the toy store or is that the toy manufacturer? I think it's probably the retail store. I mean, the manufacturer probably has, uh, you know, MSRP, and then it's whatever they feel like selling it for. You know what I mean? Like, they probably have a minimum. Well, you know, which really makes me feel bad for the parents and the kids of nowadays. Because to be honest with you, years ago, you know, when I went to the toy store, when I was about age, six, seven years old, eight years old, uh, you go to the store, you saw the G.I. Joes or the, the Star Wars figures, they were like two bucks a piece. Right. You know, three dollars maybe at the most. So, you know, your parents give you $10, you bought three figures or four figures, depending on what you got. Nowadays, man, you know, they go into a toy store, you're getting like one figure. And <laughs> there's nothing to do with it. It's just that sad. It really is. So, all right, I'm back. Yeah, I've, uh, I called back in on the, the host thing. And actually, we have a. Uh, Kristen, Kristen is here. So let's uh, let's get into it. Let's uh, we're, we're having all types of technical difficulties, Kristen. So welcome to the party. <laughs> uh, all right, how fun. <laughs> so how you been? Busy. How have you guys been? Uh, not as busy as you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's fine. This was my first like quiet week, which is or just started. Like Wednesday started my quiet week, so I'm like, thank goodness. <laughs> what is a quiet week for you? Um, I think days a quiet week is is where I can actually work out of my home office and just write and like get stuff done, even on the personal side. But I have been running everywhere, you know, in the studio, the Emmys, running to work in the last three weeks. It's been an, it's been insane. So it's kind of nice just to be able to like wake up and not have to rush somewhere. And you're like, great, I can write a couple articles and, you know, not have to worry about being on the road. Yeah. That is nice in that and relaxing. Yeah, it is. And I get a lot more done too, you know, I was like, look at that. I can do some laundry and I can run some errands, and get some food back in the fridge, things like that. <laughs> the the uh, real life side of Kristen Burke. Absolutely. Yes. And I like to cook, so I'd like to, you know, make a meal or two for my husband. So uh, it'll be nice to be able to do that um, for a little while before we get into, you know, the award show season. But, right, you know, this is actually the calm before the storm, so it's good. Very interesting. So uh, you have a, I mean, 
being the, the busy bee that you are, I mean, you've had like a, your dance worlds colliding where what so you think you can dance finished and now uh, dancing with the stars started. Yeah, and I think what people don't realize is they shoot at side-by-side studios. So there's, like, this long hallway that separates the two of them. And if you go over to, like, what we call the border, which is kind of like the joke, you literally, it's every single famous dance person that you know right there. Um, From Dancing with the Stars, so you think you can dance, and the choreographers and everything. And that happened for two weeks this year. It's Usually it only overlaps by one week, but it overlapped by two weeks this season. So it was it was just total chaos. It was really fun, but it was like holy cow, like running back and forth between the two and checking out what was happening on one, running over to the other. Sometimes I watch in studio, um, and, and you know the other dance shows. Even though World of Dance was taped in January, February, World of Dance overlapped with So You Think You Can Dance at the beginning of the summer. So I went from like May straight through to this week, going nuts. Just, oh, there wow. were so many dance events and red carpets and interviews. Um, it's great just to be able to catch my breath, honestly. <laughs> do, do, do you get like, um, do you ever get kind of burned out though on like all the whole dance world? I, I don't because it's so creative and it's really at a place. Like we're going to look back at this time in history and and I'll know that I was part of a moment. And I think that that's why, for me, I'm trying to be really present because there are so many cool things happening. Um, and a lot of this is because of La La Land. Some of it was in the works years before that. Um, but we're not going to see something else like this in our lifetime. Um, we're going to have, like, you know, probably, I don't know, hopefully at least five more years of, like, this crazy run with dance. And then, you know, it'll something else will take over. Um Right. But right now, for people that are in the dance industry, being a dancer or a choreographer is really cool. So I I just love that. I don't think we've really seen that since, you know, maybe MGM musicals or um, maybe even in the 70s where, like, disco was around a lot, like Grease. We lost that entire generation um, in the mid to late 80s to the AIDS crisis. And that's why dance lost a solid 10, 15 years because all the choreographers and dancers died. Wow. Okay. That's so believe it or not. And what's, what's fascinating is that dance is now stronger in Los Angeles than it is in New York, which I didn't think I'd ever see in my lifetime because, you know, da- uh, dance in New York has all those amazing Broadway dancers and incredible ballet companies. But we're now seeing a lot of the New York dancers move here to LA because there's more opportunities. Now, is, do you think that's because of the shows themselves? Yes, it is because of um, the opportunities with three different shows on the air, um, the opportunities. It's crazy because now a lot of, because of La La Land, a lot of commercials now want dancers because they're like, oh, it's not fun. We'll do something that sort of spoofs that. Or you'll see uh, a lot okay. of TV shows now. And um, choreographers are not just like this, extra thing on the set. Usually like the director's just like, do a little something here. They're actually, this sounds nuts, but they're actually getting a script ahead of time and planning with the director. That didn't happen even three years ago. You'd just be like, you're going to do a waltz here and you just kind of be thrown in, get like 15 minutes of rehearsal with the actors and do it. Now they're getting rehearsal days because the dance has to look good now. It can't just be thrown together. Right. So it's a wow. really it's a really wild time. It's really something that is 
cool to watch. And that's, it's cool to watch my friends like experience such uh, recognition. And I think in ways, you know, it's not just like, oh, they're famous. It's that they're finally getting recognized for who they are. Dancers were always like the low men on the totem pole and they're not anymore. Now, how about with um, the new season now of Dancing with the Stars? Like, how's that been? It's interesting. Um, the show, I, I'm i a little concerned about the show. I've got to be honest. This is the first time. Um, ratings are, are way down. It's competing right now with Monday Night Football. So, of course, you know, that's a tough thing. But it's also competing with The Voice, and The Voice is having a strong season. Um, but I feel like it's showing its age. They have a good cast this season, but people aren't tuning right. in for whatever reason. And season 24 was a really lousy season for them. It was not well cast. Everyone seemed tired. They had new producers in place who were trying to, you know, get their rhythm going. And I think a lot of viewers are tuning out as a result of what happened in season 24. But you've got a great cast. So I hope that people, you know, maybe just even wind up tuning in for the last few weeks. Now, this is the last Dancing with the Stars we will see until fall of 2018. They are taking the spring season off for the first time ever. And they're going to do a Dancing with the Stars Junior, so they're going to do a kids' version, which I don't know how that's going to work. But it's also a lot cheaper because they're spending all their money on American Idol, which is coming up in the spring. Ooh. So yeah. it, it, it sounds kind of like um, it's definitely on the downslide over there. 100%. And I worry a little bit that if the season does that poorly – that 25 sounds like a really nice number to wrap up, doesn't it? It really does. Yeah. yeah. So, and here, the thing yeah. is, is that I know, I, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but what I've seen, and I've seen this for a bunch of seasons, some of these dance pros have relied upon Dancing with the Stars for two seasons. Now it goes down to one, and I'm like, you can't put your eggs in one basket in this town. You never can. And we all know that. We've seen it happen over and over again where actors are just like, oh, my gosh, I have no job. What am I going to do? And some of the, you know, right. some of the pros, like Val and Max Schmierkowski, they've got a whole franchise of dance studios. They're good. But some of the younger ones, they went straight from So You Think You Can Dance right into Dancing with the Stars. And in between the seasons, they've been doing the Spring Dancing with the Stars tour and the Winter Dancing with the Stars tour. And I go, what else are you doing besides dancing with stars? Like, are you teaching? Are you choreographing? Because if you're not, all of a sudden, if this sucker dries up, what are you doing? Right. Oof. I know. That's I know. So, so I feel like so for someone like the 22-year-old, there's a wake-up call coming. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. It's so scary. And it's just, you know, whether it's dance or music, you know, TV shows, movies, whatever realm of entertainment it is, you know, you, you seem to forget when you have something like that that goes, you know, it's 25 seasons, you have that great of a, a you know, a length of career with one thing, you get kind of like used to it. And then when that happens to be like on the downslide or happens to go away, it's kind of like a total, oh, shit, what do I do now moment. Yeah, and the thing is that the 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 signs were there. Do you know what I mean? Like I would say ever since I'm going to say season maybe 21 or so, the signs have really been there. Um, but if you weren't paying attention to them, it could have just like it's going to hit you right in the face. And maybe the news last spring where they were like, we're only bringing it back once a year. 
maybe you thought maybe something else will happen, but um, it's just so fascinating how it's playing out. So I, I'm interested to see if people are getting really smart about this, whether they're auditioning or teaching or doing something else that they're seeing that the end is near. It's, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a good question. Who is being smart? Yeah. And I look at some, you know, I look back, uh, Fal and Max, they have their studios. They get it. They know. They're, they can teach and they can probably make $250 or more an hour just teaching alone, you know, probably more than that. Um, they've done a, a tour on their own outside of Dancing with the Stars. But, you know, I look at some of the others and I go, okay, what you doing? <laughs> what you planning? And so hopefully, oh I mean, I hope that some of their agents and stuff like that are prepping them. You know, saying, okay, don't do the winter tour. Let's, you know, get you something else and sort of spread your wings a little bit more. Right. Hmm. Now, has there been anybody uh, kicked off the show as of yet? Have we lost anybody? Yes, we've lost two people so far. We lost Barbara Corcoran um, from Shark Tank. Not a surprise. The show is never too kind to women over, like, let's say, 45 40 maybe um, a little bit of sexism there because men who are older have a generally do a little bit, they're a little bit better than the women. Um, and then a little bit of a surprise. I thought it was early. Um, Debbie Gibson was voted off on Tuesday. And I think that's really? what me the most. Yeah. I thought um, Terrell Owens would go cause he's pretty terrible and he's got kind of a bad attitude. Um, but really? it was kind of a weird factor when it came with uh, with Debbie Gibson in that she's been out of the spotlight for a while because she's been sick with Lyme disease. But also, her pro is a brand-new pro this season, so he hasn't built up his fan base. Oh, so she's really kind of getting screwed. Fish, yeah. Fish. She's I'm really shocked that Terrell Owens wasn't very good and had a bad attitude. You know what? I'm shocked that he's not good, but I am not shocked that he has a bad attitude. Well, I am kind of shocked because I thought, and I said this a few weeks back when we were talking about it, like this is his chance to kind of restore, <laughs> you know, humanity to his name. And if he's being difficult, I mean, he's just shooting himself in the foot. Yeah, and the thing is, like, this show is hard. This, you know, we look at it as, like silly and sparkles and sequins and all that stuff. But honestly, you're dancing for eight hours a day. You have the pressure of a live show. You don't know if you're going home that week. Uh, you know, and then they get to the point where you have to learn, learn two or three dances each week. Um, and you get tired. And when you get tired, you get emotional, men and women. <laughs> uh, if you're not willing to show that emotional side, the audience is you out because they're like, sorry, bye, done. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens, uh, though. He's still in it. He's still in it. Poor Tia. So how about um, what what, uh, what stories did you have to talk about? I'm, I'm pretty sure I would kind of know, but go ahead, shoot for it. Oh, I, I, would, I guess that half is probably one of the biggest stories, um, obviously, passing away at 91. And I think what's so interesting, especially if you're following on social media, the remembrances of him are all over the place. I mean, they literally are 
you know, pioneer when it comes to sexual freedom, pioneer when it comes to, um, he was big into the civil rights movement. He was um, someone that loved, you know, was for marriage equality. Um, someone who claimed to be a feminist, but then, you know, if you look at the flip side, you know, he was parading around with seven girlfriends and they had curfews at 9 p.m. Even at like a wardrobe and beauty allowance, like that's a little backwards. Um, you know, he was also a part of the whole Cosby scandal. He, you know what I mean? So it's like he, he create, he saved the Hollywood sign. He sponsors the Hollywood Bowl Jazz Festival. Like he did so much good, but on the flip side, you're like, eh, some weird stuff too. <laughs> wow. Yeah, the whole, I mean, I woke up to it this morning and, you know, it, it was not shocked, but, you know, 91 years old. It's one of them things like, oh, okay, you know, like, may he rest in peace. But you think back, like, into our lifetime that, you know, is not even half of his lifetime and how many memories you truly can have of Hugh Hefner. I mean, it's amazing, like, all those things. And then, like, even, like, here um, on the news tonight, they were talking about when in Atlantic City they opened the Playboy Casino. And I'm sure, uh, Nick, you might have been probably really young for that, but I'm sure, Janetti, you would remember, like, that. I just remember it being such a fiasco on the news during the whole thing, like, such a controversial thing. And, uh, you know, they actually were had some old the Playboy bunnies from the – Casino on the news tonight talking about when Hefner <laughs> would come there, and it was just like wow. They was just like wow, and I think I was like twelve, thirteen years old at the time. <laughs> My dad was a member of the Playboy Club. They had one in Boston, and um, you know we had like the Playboy mug, and I don't know, we had a couple like Playboy, you know, paraphernalia like cups and shot glasses. Like I remember that as a kid. I don't know if he still has them because they'd probably be worth something at this point. But um, oh, that's wild. You know there is some. You know, it's weird because it, 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 being a woman, it's kind of weird going, like, there's some great old shots of, like, Hef in his bathrobe and, like, all the bunnies and the old school bunny, you know, outfits. And the same, there's some weird nostalgia for it. And it's, it's almost like you've got nostalgia for, like, back when everyone was a stewardess because you're like, oh, that was so cool. But obviously there's a lot of sexism that does go along with it. So I'm always like, it's so weird. And I'm like, that's so cool. But really, was it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't around to really experience that as an adult by any means. Um, And if you talk to, you know, the girls next door, I watch that show religiously on E! But, you know, you kind of hear the stories from, like, Holly Madison, and she felt like she was emotionally abused by a husband. She felt like a prisoner for seven years, and, you know, she went in willingly, and then she kind of felt trapped, and, you know, I mean, he he feels like, you know, plenty of his old girlfriends still come around and we're still friends with him. So, you know, there's always like one bad apple in there and that's kind of how he looked at it. But you also look at like, he knew that like Cosby was, you know, stepping outside his marriage all the time and like hooking up with these girls. He probably had some sort of inkling what was going on. Yeah. Like the stories he probably could tell. You know what I mean? Like that were never told right. it would be pretty, right. uh, pretty mind blowing. I'm sure. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of stuff that he did that was good that people don't even know. Like he preserved a lot of old films that were um, rotting from MGM and things like that. He 
spent the money to have them preserved, and then he donated them to the Academy, Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Science, which obviously does um, the Academy Awards, um, and put it in their film library so that we still have it. Like, a lot of those films would have just, you know, rotted out, and we would never see them again. Because if you don't restore them oh, wow. on film, then you can't get them onto videotape and DVD and all of those incarnations that we went through. Um, so he did some really wonderful things. And because he, he loved, he had movie nights on Monday nights all the time, and he would have people over, and it was a big historic thing. Um, and oftentimes he would show those prints again for the first time. Uh, he had a, he had a screen he, he, room. Because well, I, I could swear I heard, I think it was um, the one, what was the one that you just said uh, that came out Holly and Madison. told all the stories about her? Yeah, I think it was her. Maybe she was on Howard Stern. One of them was on Howard Stern. And really, like, opened up about the whole thing, and she would say how they would, uh, you know, do these movie nights in Hess' bedroom, and he would have all the girls in the bed, and it was like still on VCR. <laughs> it was like really. Oh my god! Yeah, I think he had, but he has a screening room where he would have these famous screenings where men and women would come over, not the little private ones in his bedroom. <laughs> That's the ones I'm talking about. But uh, the things that happen in his bedroom, like the stuff that I've read, I'm like, God, that sounds so unsanitary. That's all I could think about. <laughs> oh. You know? When you're a lady, you ever, your lady parts are very, uh, lady parts are very, very delicate. That's all I can say. And I was like, that just sounds gross. <laughs> Did you ever go to the mansion? I didn't, and you know, I, my friend and I had tried at some point, um, we had thought about, like, we knew someone that um, could get us in, and to get in, this makes me laugh, you had to submit a headshot and a full body shot so that they knew what you looked like, and then they would approve you based off of your looks 100%, and we never wound up, like, getting around to it, because I was like, I just couldn't be bothered to be like, uh, here's my headshot and full body shot, you know, um, but it was always one of those things that I was like, oh, that'd be cool, you know, on the bucket list. Um, back when he was still throwing the parties, because he was still throwing the parties, I would say probably up until about 2005-ish maybe, 2006, somewhere around there. Um, but I knew that he wasn't doing well this year. And the reason why I knew he wasn't doing well, besides the fact that he hasn't been like out in public in a, in a whole bunch of uh, months, um, I follow Crystal Hefner and I follow each other on Twitter. And about six months ago, she locked her account. And then she erased all of her tweets. And that's when I was like, something's going on. Because she's always been very oh. public and sharing her life with Hess and what was happening behind the scenes. And all of a sudden she didn't. And so last night I just sent her a message, just sending my condolences. And, you know, she hasn't tweeted. I double-checked. There's nothing there. It's a completely empty account. She didn't unfollow anyone. But, um, you know, something was going on. That's wild. Mm-hmm. So now, what? Because I know that guy um, bought the mansion for the hundred million. Now, what are they going mm-hmm. to do with it? Are they going to turn it into like a Graceland type thing, or? No, he's he he bought. So um, there used to be um, a second mansion that was part of the estate. That was where Kimberly Kimberly Conrad um, lived, and his son after his wife divorced him, his second wife. Um, after she decided to go out, like the boys were out of the house, she decided to strike out on her own off of the Playboy estate. He sold us that mansion, uh, to the Pabst Blue Ribbon Air. And then last year, the Pabst Blue Ribbon Air bought the main house. And 
the house is in total disrepair. It has not been renovated for decades. And he has promised Hef, and it was part of the sales agreement, besides the fact that Hef could live there until, you know, he passed away, um, that he would renovate it. It would not be torn down or anything else like that. Because in L.A., they love to tear everything down. We have no sense of history here. It's terrible. I could, you know, coming from the East Coast, we preserve everything. You know, you live in a house from the 1600s because <laughs> that's what we do. Out here, they knock right. it down because they want the land. And uh, he's going to restore it. And all of the zoo animals are going to stay. So I, I think this is a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I think totally, like a Graceland type thing. I think that would, I think that would be tremendous. It and, would be super it. fun. But the guy wants to live there, <laughs> and maybe he'll be like half two point We don't know. I hope he is. I mean, he's got to carry it on. Like, let that place. That place needs to live itself. That place is its own entity. <laughs> it, it needs not to just die with half. It needs to continue on. Yeah, we need the grotto still going. You know. Um, and yeah. the good thing is, is they're having a big memorial for Hef. They're going to have a big party um, in, sometime in the near future to kind of honor him. So they're already planning that. And um, the owner of the estate was like, yeah, go for it. So he's been pretty flexible with this whole entire thing. But he probably knows that, you know what, he's going to restore it. So who cares if it gets trashed a little bit more because it already is trashed. I mean, from what I hear, the place is, is really a mess. Yeah. It's kind of hard to believe, though, like, that he really didn't keep up with it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I guess he was busy doing other things. I don't know. Like, but he spent so much time there, you would think he would, I don't know, keep it I don't know. You, but you know what? Like, you start thinking about it. Like, think about your grandparents' place. Like, my grandmother, like, they renovated it up to a point, and then they were done. And I think that's exactly what happened with Hef. Like, you just get to a place where you're like, okay, we're good. Yeah, you know, it it's like, like, but it sounds like he didn't ahead. even like, keep up with, um, like repairs and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that they just did the bare minimum and I think he knew he was going to sell it. And I think he knew he was going to get a lot of money for it. And they had already bought a house for Crystal a couple of years ago for her to live in. So he knew that she wasn't going to live in it. So I think it was just kind of like, eh. hmm. yeah, no, I, I wonder like what she is going to end up doing. I don't Where know. She's, uh, she's only 31, so she's really young. She's really, really young. I mean, she was married to a 91-year-old. She's, I hope she goes and gets herself, like, a 25-year-old boyfriend for a little while and just has fun, honestly. A normal life, yeah. Yeah, like, I, I hope she just, like, goes and dates, and I mean, after she mourns, like, whatever her mourning period is, and then goes out and just goes crazy for a little bit because I think she needs it. <laughs> Everybody needs to go a little crazy. You do. Like, I, you know, I'm not someone, I mean, if you want to go around and, like, hook up with a boy or two, do it. It's okay. <laughs> as long as everything's legal, have fun. There you, <laughs> and you're safe. There you go. Have fun. <laughs> uh, so rest in peace, Hef. Rest in peace. Sad to yep. see him go. And, I, I, you know, I thought it was kind of interesting, too, like, um, uh, how he bought the uh, the the plot, or not, not even a plot. I mean, there it's a, a tomb next to um, Marilyn Monroe. Yes, I just love it. 
he had such a wonderful sense of history um, in Hollywood and understanding um, icons. I mean, he made plenty of women into icons like Pamela Anderson and obviously the girls next door were their own version of icons. Um, Jenny McCarthy, uh, um, mm-hmm. Barbie Benson. I mean, we can talk about that. Dorothy Ooh, yeah. Stratton, you know, Dorothy Stratton, unfortunately, that story turned out very sad, but um, you know, Look, I get it. People are, are not thrilled that women are posing in magazines, but he changed a generation. And and listen, you know, without getting too crazy into the deep into this, but he also changed um, bikini lines and how people <laughs> groom themselves. When Pamela Anderson, like this sounds crazy, but when Pamela Anderson came out with that like Brazilian bikini wax, everyone ran out and got it. And women aren't necessarily like picking up Playboy. But if they're seeing their husbands or boyfriends, like, watching it, you go, okay, I'll do that, too. I mean, and that changed an entire right. generation of, like, 70s. If you go back and look at anything from the 70s, like, everyone had so much body hair. It was, like, ridiculous. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, she, um, did you see the video she put up? She was really, uh, really shaken Oh, up. she was sad. Yeah, and I, I, yeah. for Pamela, too, you have to remember, she was from a very small town in Canada, and, I mean, this changed her life. Same with Jenny McCarthy. Even though she was from Chicago, she lived a very small-town Catholic, Catholic life. Um, and it really changed what their lives could have been and would have been. And, you know, they wound up in a totally different direction. And they made a lot of money because of Hess, you know, being like Playmates of the Year. And, you know, Playboy really did have a resurgence in the late 90s, early 2000s, like where it was cool to like have a boob job. And I mean, I think we've swung the opposite direction again, but um, it did have a second wave or a second moment from the 60s and 70s. Right. Uh, it really is an end of an era. That's all I can say. You know, it is. He did, you know, there's plenty of, there's plenty of bad things. I get it. I get it. Uh, but at the same time, I'm like, even if you're a complete 100% feminist, you probably have embraced at least one thing that came out of Playboy. And I bet for a lot of women, it's the bikini line. <laughs> 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 so you can't, like, uh, you can't 100% condemn everything about it. That's what I think. <laughs> right. Oh. So how, uh, what, what else did you have uh, on the docket um, you know, um, I think what's been kind of interesting in watching this week, has anyone watched the Megyn Kelly show yet? <laughs> Ooh, no, but I, I, I saw the clip with her and, uh, Jane Fonda and that was, that was rough. <laughs> oh, it was so rough. You know, it's so funny. First of all, it's awkward to jump into what is a daytime talk show format in the middle of that four hour block of the Today Show which is not Megyn Kelly's fault. That was the decision that they made. Um, Cause you go back to Hoda and Kathy Lee after that, you know, you go back to the today show format in the fourth hour. So it doesn't make a lot of sense, but what I, you know, I, I tried to watch Megan, you know, she's a beautiful woman. You can tell she's smart, but I don't think she's warm and fuzzy. Do you know what I mean? And she's trying to be everyone's girlfriend, but to me, she is, she's more of an anchor and, there's nothing wrong with being an anchor. I've got it, you know, uh, but she really doesn't want to do politics. I think she was so burnt out from that whole like Fox news Trump thing that she wanted to do more lifestyle, but 
I don't think host. You know what? She's not a Rachel right. Ray. She's not an Oprah. She's not like Meredith Vieira is probably the most genius and most versatile broadcaster out there because she can be an anchor and do hard news, but she can also do lifestyle. That's a rare quality because take a look at Ann um, Curry. Ann Curry was a great news reader. She was a terrible anchor. She's a great field reporter. Like you, can, oftentimes you can't be everything. Yeah, that's what it seems like. And just from that few, uh, you know, segments, uh, seconds I saw of the segment and all, it just, it, it just seemed very awkward. And like, she just seemed out of her element. She is very out of her element. She, and you know, I, I, I am willing to give her some time because we all know that sliding into a new show, you do have to catch, get your feet, get your rhythm and all of that stuff. But, um, she's not quick on her feet when it comes to questions, and that's what worries me. She, you know, completely offended Jane Fonda, which I'm like, come on, you just offended an 80 year old icon um, who's been through it all. Um, but at the same time, she also offended the cast of Will and Grace um, by, you know, saying that the show turned this guy gay, and like, you know, it's it's she's still tied to Trump, and I think that. NBC made a mistake. They made a $17 million investment in her, but I think they were reacting to what had happened as a buzzworthy pop culture moment and not realizing right. that she was just a moment. I don't think that she's the next Oprah. I don't even think she's the next Rachel Ray. I, I, I don't think, I, I don't think she's a Hoda and Kathy Lee. Like, I, I think I hate to say it, but I'm like I think she's more of like a flash in the pan when it comes to pop culture. Right, right. It's interesting, <laughs> it really is. Yeah, and I mean, like, it's a jerk. If you guys haven't seen it, I mean, you have to watch that uh, Jane Fonda segment because I, she just looked like she was ready to kill her. The wonderful you know, thing about it. Fonda. Yeah, she redirected the conversation, don't you think? Yeah, and I just, don't you think that she just needs to get her feet first, though? You know what I mean? Like, if we were having this conversation two months from now, I think it would mean a lot more than as she's still finding her way. Yeah, I mean, we can't sit there and judge her entire thing um, in one week, of course. Um but she's off to a very rough start and all eyes are on her because people are still pissed that they fire or that Tamron Hall left NBC. She wasn't fired. She left on her own accord um, because of this, because Tamron Hall was really well loved at that network. And I think that NBC is going to be more patient with her because they did make a $17 million investment and they are throwing out heavy hitters. I mean, she's interviewing everyone from the Menendez brothers to Will and Grace. She's getting all of the big interviews, but she's going to have to start delivering. She is going to have to start delivering sooner versus later um, for the public, not necessarily for the network. Hmm. What do you, what do you think? Uh, like $17 million, um, six months down the road, do you think they, if things like continue after the first week, do you think they just say, you know what, we've lost a lot more money in other ways and just move on? 
I I think at a certain point they will move on. I don't think that this 9 a.m. hour is going to work as part of the Today Show franchise. Maybe if they moved it to the afternoon, maybe it would feel a little bit different. I have to be honest. I think it's wrong to be a part of the Today Show franchise. And remember, in most markets, she is up against Kelly and Ryan. I don't know how you compete against that. And even if you don't like Kelly Ripa, She's a juggernaut at that hour. She's a juggernaut in the, the daily talk show format in the morning. And I think the good news is that having Ryan Seacrest by her side does soften her up. <laughs> it's going to be interesting how this all plays out. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, it's something that I'm definitely keeping my eyes on because I, I think that I think NBC even knows it was a mistake. Her Sunday night show tanks. Um, people are not warming up to her. She may be, you know, it's tough because you go from Fox to NBC. Um, those are two very different audiences. And um, there may be people that have been with NBC for years that would never watch a day of Fox News and are resistant to who she represented on that network. Well, let's uh... – Let's change gears. Um, <laughs> uh, Nick just uh, shot me a message real quick and brought up something that uh, I know we talked about. I don't know if we talked about it with you, but I know we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Um, the whole James Woods <laughs> controversy thing that's going on. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think it's settled <laughs> down for now. For now, I mean, but um, James Woods. <laughs> James Woods has everyone in Hollywood against him because he's kind of like in Scott Bayo's position. So let's start out right there in that a majority of L.A. is uh, a Democrat and he is a conservative. So siding with Trump, especially at this point in the game where (laughs) it's hard to cheer him on when you've got. And I, I have a friend in Puerto Rico right now who is starving with her two diabetic parents. I tell you, she's been messaging me on Facebook. They've got nothing. They've got no water, no food, no medicine. And they're on the east side of the island, far away from San Juan, where the supplies are coming in. There's no way on the roads right now for trucks to get to them. So, uh, you know, the whole Jones Act, why it took a week, it's hard. It's hard for any of us, a lot of us, to see, like, why, why wasn't, why wasn't, Puerto Rico taking care of the way Houston and Miami were. That's one thing. Then you got on top of it, James Woods has been a dirty old man for <laughs> decades. Decades. I was gonna say decades. Way, way back. Decades. He was dating like Heather Graham when she was in her twenties and he was in his fifties kind of thing. So um he's also rumored to have a really big ding dong. So that's another like really weird um <laughs> rumor about him. And he brags about it all the time. <laughs> So, and he's got an ego that just got like the size of, yeah, it's, it's really creepy now that you guys know it. Now you're, you're like, I don't want to know that about him. I'm like, I don't even want to know that about him. But, um, you know, if you sit there and have a problem with a gay storyline um, when he's doing the same thing in real life, the hypocrisy, it just reeks of hypocrisy. And so it makes me laugh when people just start railing on him, but then people start telling stories and, when there's multiple stories, it's like the Cosby thing. People aren't just randomly making stories up about James Woods. Yeah, sorry. Right, right. You know, 
there's where there's smoke, there's fire. There always is. Um, and you know, and I know we can say that you know people's memories are are have you know everyone has a different memory of how it is, and it's his side and her side and the truth. But there, you know, when you've got multiple women coming out of the woodwork that don't know each other, all sharing a very similar story, there's there's truth there. Uh, Nick, any comments? No, I mean, I just love the fact that Amber Tamblin just, I mean, she totally just blew him out of the water. Like, I mean, she called him on his bullshit. She told a funny story. She wrote an open letter, and, and that was it. I mean, he had to just shut up. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think we're at a point, and I, I got to tell you, as a woman, I'm at a point. I'm like, I'm done. I am done with sexism, I'm done with the double standard. I'm done with being manhandled and things like that. I, I think we talked about a situation where, like, someone had told me that I had outpriced myself in the market on a job and called me honey and, and talked down to me. And I was just like, I'm not the right person for the job. Bye. Like, I don't need that money. I don't need that aggravation. But I love that wow. even younger women are standing up to this because we get to a point where I'm like, meh. You know what? We've all brushed it off or laughed it off, but it's gotten to a point. And I and I gotta tell you, I, weirdly, I think that that Access Hollywood tape with Billy Bush and Trump opened up a can of worms. It really did, and um, I think it opened up a dialogue. And yes, he still wound up being president, but I think it opened up a dialogue of women going, "Hey, you know what? That happened to me too. This is gross. I'm gonna say something next time. And if well, I lose know, my I... job, I lose my job." You know, and, and I don't disagree with you. I just, I, I, the one that I think won't get enough credit is the way that Taylor Swift stuck to her guns. I mean, she was not letting it go. You know what I mean? And that was important, I think, because she showed a bunch of young women. You know what I mean? Who cares if you can't win it? If they say you can't, fight it. You know what I mean? Get out there and tell your story and don't let people get away with it. Like, that's what I got from it. And I hope that that leads to other young artists like her, you know, not getting manhandled, like you said. And, and as soon as I heard it, I believed it. You know what I mean? Because we all just sort of know that there are people like that out there, especially in entertainment. Well, and I hope that, like, people take a look at what Kesha did, um, because Kesha put it all out there and had ev- and lost everything. She didn't even win anything. She lost everything. Um, but right. I think in the public side and people that supported her, she gained a lot of respect and hopefully she gained strength from that. Um, but it, there, we're starting to see this and it, the music industry is something that is very, um, I think that it's still a boys club in many ways. Um, and I think that when you're working in an industry and I, I worked in the automotive industry, you know, I hosted a show for Toyota for five years. And the amount of sexism I dealt with, not on the Toyota side, because I will tell you that um, I was treated so well by both the American um, corporate side of it and the Japanese, and I worked with the Japanese corporate side of it, both very respectful. But I will tell you other parts of the industry, whether it's other vendors, whether it was audience members, whatever it was, there's still a lot of sexism about being a woman in the automotive industry. Like, I don't know anything. I'm just there to show off my legs. And you're like, no, I'm actually, Toyota gave me the education. I went to school every year, and they trained me on all the vehicles. I know this inside and out. Um, so I, I get it. Like, I get 
when I see Kesha fighting this or when I see Taylor Swift fighting this or in another industry, I get why people are doing it. Um, because you do get to a point where you're like, this is aggravating. I'm a woman. I'm smart. So I have different body parts. I'm still as capable as you are. And sometimes more so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just a, the, the world we're living in today. It's just, uh, it's pretty batshit crazy. It really is. It, it is. But you know what? It gives me a lot of faith. Like, you know, my niece just went to, uh, she's in a freshman year of college. And I feel like for a lot of these young women, you know, that are either like just leaving high school or, you know, or in their early 20s, like, I think that I'm glad that people are speaking up because I think it's going to be a better world for them in the long run. And that they'll know to speak up and they'll know that they have rights and things like that so um because i think a lot of my dad's generation like my dad will throw out something and i'm like what why would you say that to me i'm your daughter don't you think i'm just as capable like sometimes he'll throw out a sexist comment and i'm like wait a minute you know um but that's his generation that's how people were programmed right and and it is hard i I will tell you this you know i have a uh i have a 15 year old daughter and I've been trying to be a lot more conscious about not just what I say, how I say it, how it can be interpreted. And um, it, it, it's a scary world out there. When, But, yeah, I, I, I mean, we, we've got a long way to go, I think, as men. But um, some of us are trying. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's a good thing. I think that's a good thing. I mean, because trying, watching words, and I think, like, you know, and, and I, listen, I slide into stereotypical roles sometimes, and I'm talking about negative stereotypical roles. I There's certain ones that I'm like, I love cooking for my husband. So if he's like, well, you cook dinner tonight, I'm super happy to do it. Like, I love that. And that would be looked at as a traditional, you know, right. female role, but I'm, I'm happy to do it. I hate doing dishes, though, so I'm happy to pass that on to him. You know, <laughs> it all balances <laughs> out, but I... But I think I think we've all been programmed, and you know, when you were raised, and whether it's like the '60s, '70s, '80s, um, you know, even '90s. But I think that there's a bigger dialogue going on now, and and that's great. That's that's really what matters is that the dialogue's out there because none of us are going to be perfect. None of us. I I know I am far from perfect, so I'm not going to argue with you there. Yeah, I mean, I'm a pain in the butt. I totally know it. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I know I'm not perfect. It's uh, <laughs> um, but that's okay. As long as you're trying and working on it, that's that's all we can ask as humans, right? It, you know what? It's always a work in progress. No matter how how far you have uh, moved forward, it's a work in progress, twenty four seven. A hundred percent. I'm right there with you. Oh boy! So what do you got? Uh, what do you got coming up uh, for the next week? Um, well, I'm officially switching over to Dancing with the Stars, so that'll be uh, my focus now that So You Think You Can Dance is um, done, which is great. Um, in the next couple weeks, I'll have um, I will have uh, they're doing a tribute to Betty White, so I'll be attending that. I'm kind of looking forward to that. That's on October 12th. Oh wow, that sounds and, awesome. Yeah. Oh, I know. I mean, it's just, it's kind of like, it's honoring women in television, but she's the big honoree that night. And I was like, I wasn't going to cover it. And then I was like, you know what? I'm an idiot if I don't cover this because 
who knows how long we're going to have Betty White around. So, right. Um, I, I said, you know what? I came back and I was like, no, 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 I want to do it. And, uh, and um, I'm also, I'm really excited about this. They have moved the It House to the Warner Brothers studio lot. So I'm going to be visiting that next week. Oh. Oh, that's exciting. You'll close too. Yeah. So I'm going to get to tour that. I'm looking forward to it. Very, very cool. Yeah, that's like the, the, the huge, like, as a matter of fact, my daughters have been, uh, my daughter and my wife have been uh, on the, the hunt. They, right before we went on the air, my daughter, like, shows me this uh, six-foot standy uh, animated, like, uh, thing of uh, Pennywise. Like, they, they want to buy, like, these things, these animated statues, and put them on my front lawn to terrorize my neighbor's kids. I'm like, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not spending two hundred hours on Pennywise <laughs> to sit yeah. out in the rain to get ruined by the time Halloween gets here, and you'll never be able to use it again. Like, no, 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 no. Halloween is so much fun, though. I think it's become like the big adult holiday these days. Yeah, totally is. Too funny. Cool. So I guess uh, I, we will. Uh, keep in touch and see what's going on for next week and hopefully we'll have you back next week yes i should know my schedule by tomorrow so i will um let you know if i can if i'll be stuck on set or if i can uh, join you guys but hopefully i can join you guys awesome absolutely awesome. cool great talk to you Thanks, soon yeah bye all right there she goes kristen burt check her out she's all over the world of social media she's all over the world of hollywood Look for Kristen Burt, K-R-I-S-T-Y-N-B-U-R-T-T. That's K-R-I-S-T-Y-N-B-U-R-T-T. You can find her on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, wherever you'd like. She's there. (laughs) She's covering it all. You know, it's funny because this, this, uh, again, I think we talked about this last time when we talked to Kristen a couple weeks ago. And I think, what, she cursed for the first time in, like, three years she's been on the show? Right, and, right. <laughs> and tonight it was, like, like, you can tell, like, she's she's crossed the line now. Like, she can really talk to us. And tonight it was ding, ding. <laughs> right, right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, She's too funny. She really is. You know what? I would love to just be able to see what she does in a day because – the things she sees out there in Hollywood are just freaking wild. Oh yeah, man. I mean, I bet. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> yeah. What else can you say, right? It really. I mean, it is, uh... she's running. She's running wild out there. Like she's constantly on the move, and so many different, like, cool things. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. She's living a life out there, but she's working. Don't get it wrong. She, she is. is working. She's hustled. Which, which leads us to our next guest. Now, this person, she's a hustler. She's a worker. She is truly unstoppable. Let's welcome to the show Miss Kelly Roach. What's up, Kelly? Hey there. Thanks for having me tonight. You're welcome. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. 
Now you're uh, you have like a really impressive story here. Like uh, you're here from the, the the Delaware Valley area, Philadelphia area, Westchester, PA, um, and you were an Eagles cheerleader. I was an Eagles cheerleader. Yes, yes, yes. No, it, it's I funny was, because uh, a couple pr- of I was pretty ago, excited to see the end of that game the other day. How about you guys? Oh, no, no. When, when something like that happens, do you still, like, break into cheerleader mode and start cheering? You know what? I think I was in so much shock that we actually did something <laughs> right when we were down under the wire that there was no cheer. I think I had my mouth hanging open. I was like, wow, you know, because the last couple <laughs> of years, man, we've had a lot of those nail-biter situations, but unfortunately they didn't go that way. So I was just happy that yeah. uh, we pulled through. We're learning how to win, as they said. How- how about that? That that is true. We are definitely learning how to win finally. <laughs> now, being an English cheerleader, like we we actually we a couple weeks ago we had a, a girl on who used to be an Atlanta Falcons cheerleader, and she was telling us she's like you know like she's onto a whole new thing now, and I was saying like when you were becoming a cheerleader when you became a cheerleader, like it, it's not. Uh, you know, it's not a full-time job. It's not something that really, you know, it's not a career. It, it's kind of something that's like getting your foot in the door somewhere, getting your name out there, and to go on to something else. Like, we, like she was still going in the world of entertainment where you're, like, went into business. So, like, was business always, like, in your mind, even as becoming a cheerleader? Well, yeah, so it was really interesting. So I actually was the youngest girl on the team when I was when I was on the team and I auditioned at the end of my freshman year of college. So Eagles Shooting was one of three or four jobs that I had while I was working and in school full time. And it was a great stepping stone into the business world because what people don't realize about the NFL cheerleaders is you're doing speaking, you're doing charity appearances, you're doing uh, photography, you're doing interviews, you're networking. So there's a lot more to it than just the performance on the field. And for me, it was like a huge stepping stone as far as getting set to break into the world of sales and marketing and communication because it just gives you kind of that comfort and that ability to just freely communicate with all different types of people in any situation. And so um, it was a really nice stepping stone into the business world for me. Oh, that's wild. Now, like, did, like were you also – like you said, like you're you're speaking and stuff like that. So were you like in like a networking mode even from Jump Street with that with that situation? You know, for me, uh, when I was on the team, it was just a huge passion. You know, I had been an All American All Star cheerleader. I was a competitive dancer. I had com- I had been on competitive teams for years and years, and it was really just a passion project for me. I mean, as the other cheerleader, I'm sure shared with you that came on the show, you don't make a lot of money doing it. So the people that do it are truly oh, no. passionate. They're passionate about performing. They love the sport. They love the excitement of game day. Um, you know, some people use it to network and get into more like modeling or acting or, you know, something along those lines. That was never my aspiration or intention. I always knew I was going to go into business. It's just, you know, my personality and kind of my goals were kind of different in that way. But there were people that absolutely used it to to launch a career in like entertainment or modeling or whatever the case is. Well, right. That's wild. So, So like, 
Now you you're like a business coach. Where um, were you thinking like that? Like, did you have your plan? Like, what you planned to do, or was this something you like grew into and like really, uh, you know, formed as you've been going? No, I mean definitely not. So I started off working for a Fortune 500, and I I really got into that company so that I could, you know, have the opportunity in an international firm to work my way up and learn business and learn sales and marketing and all of that. And I was there for quite a while. I was promoted seven times in eight years, and I became the youngest senior vice president in the company. And really what I was doing was I first, like, really focused on learning sales and perfecting my own craft, and then I focused on teaching and training. And I was, like, traveling around the country and you know, consulting with other CEOs from around the world that were within our company on, you know, rapid business growth. And so I just, okay. I just developed this set of skills and I kind of fell into it. I never had to, I didn't like, I'm going to grow up and be a business coach. I didn't even know what that was, but it just kind of developed that my, my skill set really lended itself to helping people to understand the fastest, most efficient path to grow their business. And when I got sick of making one company millions and millions of dollars and not getting paid for it, I said, you know what, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to help other entrepreneurs to build and grow their businesses. And I'm going to coach people on how they can take the principles of rapid business growth that was helping me to help all these other people in one company and start applying it in my own company, helping other people. And that's what I do today. I help entrepreneurs in seven different countries. Um, You know, I have hundreds of of entrepreneurs in my courses and my programs, my masterminds. I do private consulting speaking. And, um, you know, I'm just super passionate about helping people achieve their goals. And, you know, I think building your own freedom-based business is the number one way to balance both making great money but also having a life while you're doing it. Yeah, and, you know, that was one of the things I was going to say, too, like, do you see like the future now being more just that where people are making or are doing businesses instead of going and working for corporate America and making their own corporations and being independent entrepreneurs? Oh, 100%. I mean, I think we'll see the day in the very, very near future um, that people really operate as independent entities and that companies will hire people with a specialized skill to do a specialized project um, and, and individuals will really manage themselves as a business. And I think that's one of the reasons I think it is so essential for every person to have some type of side hustle, side project learn the skills of entrepreneurship, learn sales, learn marketing, learn how to, you know, promote yourself because, you know, we've already seen the breakdown of the employer-employee relationship. I mean, it's gone. People used to retire with companies, get a gold watch, get a pension. They were taken care of and set for life. And now what do you get? You wake up one day, you found out your company merged, right, and you're out of the job. You wake up one day, you show up to work, and, and the door's locked. There's a bolt on the outside. You wake up one day, you find out your company's laying off 5,000 people. This is the reality of the world that we live in. So I'm really kind of trying to scream from the rooftops and say to people, like, wake up, look around you. If you're counting on someone else and and really letting someone else decide your destiny, you're not going to be happy with the final destination because it's not looking good. And it doesn't mean that there's less opportunity out there, and it doesn't mean that there's less money to be made. It just in a little bit of a different form or facet than it once was. Right. Now, when you started doing this on your own, 
Um, did you just start like here locally, like in the Westchester area, or was this something? Because I mean, you're all over the internet, whether it's um, radio or YouTube videos, or did you just like hit the ground running and start doing all that stuff as well? No, I actually um, I started off doing um, consulting with with individuals around the U.S. So um, virtually. You know, I wasn't traveling or anything like that, but the power of the Internet is just unbelievable. So I started off running Facebook ads and just sharing great content and promoting my content, giving people business tips, giving people business strategies, and people from all over the country started applying for free consultations with me and reaching out, you know, for advice and help and that kind of thing and, uh, you know, started bringing people on from there. So I've had the opportunity to work with people, you know, from all over the place really right from the get-go. And that's, that's the beautiful thing about the economy and the world that we live in today. There's really no barriers anymore with entrepreneurship. Right. Now, where is, like, uh, you said you work with or work or worked with people like in other countries. What other countries have you worked with people from? We currently have clients in Canada, the United States, the United Kingdom, Jamaica, Australia. I'm trying to think where else. We're all over the So place. like when and somebody from when somebody from Australia or the UK like contact you, are you kinda of like blown away? Like, how the hell did somebody <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how did I someone learn it. about me it in another country? Fascinating. Yes, it is fascinating. Like, I want us to be everywhere in the world. I can't wait. It is kind of, t- you know, so the people that I have in Australia, they're like in courses, right? Because I don't think we can ever match up time zones that way. But people in UK, like, they're a five, six hour, you know, time difference, but we can still kind of make it work. And, you know, but a lot of my programs also have like record a recorded element to them as well. So if people can't be on a live call, they can listen to the recording and that kind of thing. But yeah, it is. It's there. It's fascinating, you know, to get to work, you know, across the world with people. It's really fun. Now, you have, uh, like, your whole thing is Unstoppable, and you wrote a book called Unstoppable. Now, did, did you even think, like, going into all this, like, I'm going to write a book, or did it just, like, start happening naturally? Like, you know what? Like, I'm doing all this other stuff. Let's 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 do a book as well. Yeah. You know, the book came about because I started off my business doing – high-end consulting, like one-on-one consulting. And, you know, obviously that's, that's very expensive. And typically the people that can afford to sign up for a service like that are already running a somewhat successful business, right? That's why they can right. afford to do that. And so I wrote the book because I felt like so many of the people that were struggling or so many of the people that were just getting started weren't getting traction because they didn't truly understand the principles of success and and what they needed to do to go from struggling to having success. And I couldn't help them because they didn't have any money, you know? So I was like, you know what, I'm going to write a book so that anyone who has the desire and anyone who's willing to invest a few hours can learn these principles, put them into practice, get themselves up, you know, up and running and off the ground and, and get this thing started. And so the book was really just a mechanism to reach out to people beyond the scope of, you know, those initial couple offerings of mine. And since then we've released a lot more like courses and, 
you know, more affordable options that we can, you know, kind of service one to many. Um, but yeah, it just it just kind of evolved that way. And was the book like a number one bestseller too? It was. It was. We hit we hit bestseller in a, in eleven different countries during the launch, which was awesome. And in like Holy I think thirty five different categories or something like that. We did a lot of like anticipation building, and we had a launch team, and we worked really hard to get it out there because you know the book is a great way to introduce people to your brand and to your company. And so we wanted to make sure that we really use the book as an opportunity to build the email list and introduce people to the brand, and really build a, a future list of customers and clients. Right, right. Now, will you be doing any more books in the future, do you think? Or Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it hasn't been a major focus for me over the last year because we have um, so much that we launched kind of all at once that we're in a position now where we're working on just optimizing and really making full use of everything that we've already put in place. So I don't want to, you know, dilute the focus too, too much. But probably within the next year, I'll start the next one. Nice. Now, what do you think, like, in business that you're dealing with with people, what do you think is the, the biggest mistake that you see made all the time? Well, a couple things. Um, so, number one, the biggest mistake that I see is people that want a business to perform and deliver results for them without investing in it. <laughs> so, you know, I see entrepreneurs from all walks of life that, you know, either haven't invested in learning the skills or getting the help or doing the advertising for their business that's going to be required to get it off, you know, up and running. And, you know, what I tell people all the time is, you know, I, I say to them, can you make, um, you know, uh, interest on money that you haven't put in the bank yet? Or can you get a return from stocks in the stock market that you haven't invested in yet? And, I mean, you right. laugh and you think that's silly to ask that question, but interestingly enough, that's how most people approach their businesses. They're like, well, I want to start this business. I want to be a quote-unquote entrepreneur, but there's no plan for how are you attracting clients? How are you generating leads? How are you doing advertising so that people find out about you, right? Um, how are you getting help so that you have the time to, you know, advertise and service the clients and then take care of all the tactical and technical things required to run a business? I mean, it, it, it's really mind-boggling, and I think that this is part of what the Internet's done. It's, it's overcomplicated and oversimplified running a business all at the same time. If that's possible, um, it makes people think you can. It made people think that you can start and grow a business without ever learning how to start and grow a business, which doesn't work. That's why ninety-five percent of them fail. But it's also really confused and overwhelmed people because now there's so much information out there that people are like right. ADD, like they don't even know where to focus or what to do. Another reason why I wrote the book to really clearly define for people: here's how you make money. Here's how you do it um, with leveraging your time so you're not, you know, giving your life away. You know, bring these nine principles together, and you're going to be able to not only make money but have a life too. But, um, yeah, I think that's one of the biggest mistakes is not thinking through um, the investments that will be required to float the business for long enough to make it successful. Um, right. And then the second big mistake is just, 
Um, you know, most people get into starting a business because they're passionate about whatever thing that that business is going to deliver. And what they don't realize is as the business owner, only a very, very small fraction of your time is spent doing that thing, right? So as the business owner, you're the CEO, you're managing the company, you're servicing the clients, you're marketing, you're selling, you're putting together your programs or your products or your services. You know, 95% of what you're doing is not that craft. So what I always tell people is if you want to spend your time doing the craft, go get a job for someone else doing that thing. If you want to be a business leader, if you want to build an organization, an enterprise, if you want to implement systems, if you want to work on strategy, if you want to learn sales and marketing, start your own business. Two very, very different things. Big time. Very big time. Now, something to you, you said it real quick, was about um, uh, being in business and living a life and, and having an actual life, um, <laughs> you know, because so many people get in the business and they end up spending 99% of their time in that business and never stop. And uh, it's so important to be able to still have a life. And uh, is that like a huge problem? I know like myself trying to do all this stuff around, you know, my show and network and all that, like I get so wrapped up in it and I'm scared to turn off so to say. So, I mean, is that like a big thing too with other people? Like I'm not the only goofball? (laughs) No. I mean, I think that's a constant struggle for all entrepreneurs is like finding that balance and and getting, you know, that, that recipe down, which, I mean, is very, very difficult, especially when you have a family and you have, you know, other things going on besides the business as well. But I think that the, there's really two or three key things that really help with that. You know, one, it, it's building an infrastructure and having a, a team that supports you. And, you know, most entrepreneurs are afraid of hiring because it initially costs them money. But what I train and teach people to do is to learn how to effectively coach and manage and guide the the responsibilities and the actions that the people that you hire are responsible for so that they make you money instead of costing you money. That's the whole purpose of an employee, for a business to be able to grow faster and, and be more profitable. So that's that's been the biggest thing for me. I mean, that's how I keep my hours, you know, under control. And, um, you know, I get to put my family first and really prioritize my daughter. And, and, you know, my team knows what the boundaries are and what my priorities are there. Um, And then the other thing is just really making sure that the business is built on systems. So, you know, most entrepreneurs always think that their business is too young or too new or too small to be focused on infrastructure, to be focused on systems. And that's really one of the most essential things early on as the business builds and grows because otherwise people can't step in to help you. And I found a lot of entrepreneurs that finally get to the point where they do want to get help, they struggle to actually be able to effectively have someone help them because the business is, is so kind of messy at that point and it's all up in their head that they can't simplify it enough for someone to be able to step in and help them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, so those are just some tips are, I would give everybody there. <laughs> if you yourself right now were not um, Kelly Roach, the business coach, the unstoppable business coach, what if you were just in business, what kind of business would it be in? 
exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> um, yeah. If I had to do it all over again, I would do exactly what I'm doing. I wouldn't change a thing. Um, the only thing I would change is that I would have started my business a whole lot sooner. Um, that, that would be the only thing I would change. But, you know, just to, to answer your question, um, I have a second business um, that is a personal development company for kids, and it's actually pre-launched right now. I have a partner and uh, that's launching this spring, and it's really about um, instilling courage and confidence in, in kids to pursue their dreams, and it's about helping moms learn how they can instill courage and confidence in their daughters, and so we're going to be doing a lot of um, personal development-focused stuff, and so I have a huge passion for personal development and, and really instilling belief and confidence and courage in other people to really pursue kind of, you know, their, their life's purpose. So that's, you know, another passion of mine. And, and I love exercise. And, you know, I work out and I work out with a trainer and, and my daughter, Madison, who's three, works out with me. And, uh, you know, that that's a lot of fun and that's a big passion of mine as well. That's awesome. Now, being that you are the coach, doesn't it get um, stressful on your own? You know what I mean? Like coaching all these people around the world, doesn't it like at times just like, you want to pull your own hair out? <laughs> it, you know what? It, it, it definitely is a heavy job. It's not a light job to answer your question. I don't know if that answers you, but it, it's it's serious. You know, it's very serious. Right. You know what I say? What I say to my husband is, you know, um, I love so much and I'm very passionate about what I do, but it's very heavy the work that I do because you're dealing with people's livelihood, right? So there's not going to be a coaching call that I'm on that's light. Because we're dealing with people's livelihood, we're, we're talking about things that are directly impacting their family, their paycheck, right. um, their ability to succeed. So it's very heavy. Um, but what I do to balance that out is I've, I've really, especially in recent years, started to limit the number of private clients that I take on. And I've shifted to doing a lot more group coaching programs and masterminds and courses so that I can balance out my time so that I don't get to the point where I'm burnt out on that because it is heavy. It's, it's certainly not, um, you know, it's not, it's not managing a party bus. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Now, what, what would be like one tip to prevent burnout? Hire a team. I think hire a team is, is absolutely essential. Um, and, and I would say coupled with that, you know, having an investor mindset in your business, like meaning making decisions every day that are for the long term, not making decisions for, you know, what is convenient or what you feel emotionally is necessary in the moment. I think, you know, short-term decision-making leads to short-term results and short-term thinking leads to things that ultimately in the long term are not going to serve you. So hmm. I would say, you know, having an investor mindset and playing a long game in your business is super important. And that includes how many hours you work a day and how much sleep that you get and whether or not you exercise and how you take care of yourself. Because, when I'm saying play the long game, we all know, you know, to build a, a business, it's, it's a process over a period of years. And so you burn yourself out year one or year two running yourself into the ground, then you, you've pretty much signed, sealed, and delivered the fate of your business, right? Right, right. Interesting. 
Now, how many hours a day do you sleep? Eight. Always. I'm pretty serious about my sleep. But, but you know, and for me, I feel like especially with the work that I do, like I, I can't function if I don't sleep because, yeah. I'm, I mean, my day, I am literally on the phone sometimes seven, eight hours a day talking to people, you know. So, it, like, you, you, it's really not a cut corners type of gig. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, I don't right, think right. Everybody has a cut corners type of gig these days, you know? Like, every, every no, role, true. you know, no one really has, has the leisure to do that anymore. It's like that little bit that you think you gain um, by cutting, you, you really lose so much more than that, you know? Wow. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Right, so so let's uh let's get them plugged out there. Let's tell everybody how how can they uh become unstoppable like you? Yeah, definitely. Well, Unstoppable Success Radio is my podcast, which we are live three times a week. We release new episodes, and the whole show is dedicated to helping entrepreneurs go further faster and accomplishing their financial and business goals. And that is on iTunes and Stitcher and, like, every podcast platform out there. So I'd say that's the best place to find me. And um, my website, which is kellyroachcoaching.com, is just chock full of free audios and videos and PDFs and downloads, um, all kinds of resources to help entrepreneurs uh, achieve, you know, rapid growth. Nice. Well, this has been great uh, talking to you. When you uh, get ready to launch the new one in the spring, we'll have to catch up again. That would be amazing. Thank you guys so much for having me. Cool. Absolutely, Kelly. Thanks uh, Thanks for calling in and being a guest, and I uh, hope to talk to you again soon. You got it. Have a good one. You too. All right, there she goes. Kelly Roach, check her out. She is unstoppable. You can go to her website, uh, kellyroachcoaching.com, and uh, you can get all the information about her and the podcast, the book, and how you can sign up and be under and learn from uh, from her. That's pretty wild, man. Yeah, man, she's on top of things. It's, it's got to be like... Like, you know, uh, Ashley Burgess should be calling in, in a half hour, and we had her on before. And, you know, she's more of, like, the life coach. Like, which, like if you had to be, like, one of these coaches, like, I, <laughs> both both are, like, you know, you're walking a fine line. Like, with the life coach, you're, like, literally taking somebody's life in their hand. But with Kelly now, I mean, she does business, and she's taking people's livelihood in her hand. So which, which hand would you rather have? <laughs> Yeah, that's – dude, we could have sat here and asked her questions all day long. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I know. I, you oh, know, I, I, but then I feel <clears throat> like I don't want to get into too many questions because then you're, like, start, like, giving away her, her secrets and stuff for free. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. It's interesting, though. Like, don't you know, let me ask you this, like, and I, I didn't want to ask her this because I don't want to sound like a, a student I can be at times, but like that whole Fortune 500 world, like, I, I don't know what they're, like, it, to me, it's, it's kind of sounds like, I don't know what they're selling. You know what I mean? Like, what are they selling? <laughs> right. I, I don't, I'm just, oh, like, man. you know what I mean? It's very, I, think I don't when know. You get, 
I think when you get that high up, a lot of times you're selling. Like I was reading up about the guy who owns uh, the Playboy Mansion now, and he did a lot of like he would buy host it and then make some improvements and then immediately resell it. You know what I mean? And then make a billion right. dollars off of the resale. Like I, I th- these guys are trading in more like than we could ever. You know what I mean? Right. It's a whole new level, I think. <laughs> I'm, I'm just looking at this shirt now. I want to read this much. Dotard. Dotard. Person especially, Dotard. A person, especially an old person, exhibiting a decline of mental faculties, a weak-minded or foolish old person. Now, Dotard is what Kim Jong-un called President Trump in his press press release. (laughs) And and people didn't know what it was, you know what I mean? Oh, that's funny. Now, the the site you're using is different than the one uh, Mike Joy is using. Why did you choose a different one? No, no, I'm using the same one as him. Uh, T, what is it? T Public. Oh, is it? I thought he was on. What is it? Like Spreadshirt or something? Or maybe I'm thinking I think, different. I think he might have been on there and then switched over because this is the one that he recently sent me a link for, and he said that you know he told me all about the pricing and stuff like that, and uh, I figured I'd give it a shot. Now. This, this one is actually really interesting because you can apply for an affiliate license. And, um, okay. What, and then they'll give you permission to sell other people's T-shirts on your site. So it'll be like your, your little site, and you can have your own ones on there, but you can also have ones from, like, other designers and other companies. And, then of course, they get their, you know, percentage of all your sales, but you also make money off of their sales. And, uh... You have to have you have to have a website that's yours to submit to so they can check it to see you know that you get some followers and stuff. But it's definitely something I think if you did that with just music t-shirts and stuff, I bet you clean up. Yeah, but then I mean, with like it's kind of like a fine line with stuff. That I guess you would you could you know what I mean because you're probably getting into like some type of copyright infringement or something maybe no no no. that's what i'm saying when you apply for the affiliate license you get the license oh. to sell those things right right i got you so they get their portion of the profit still i got you yeah yeah and then of course whatever you put up is you know totally yours right i only have two shirts up because i'm going to try and do just stuff that i design right Actually, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm going to try three shirts, and if none of them sell, I'm going to give up. Oh. <laughs> uh, I think that one will sell. Now, now, you're going to, like, um, so you got to post that out there and, like, uh, boost the post, you know what I mean? Yeah. I hate spending money. <laughs> I hear you. But uh, 
even if you don't want to set stuff up, man, we should definitely talk about putting, like, because I can put together a totally driven radio shirt or something like that that we could throw up there. And uh, as long as you trust me enough to give me your profits, I think we'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, again, that's something else I've been wanting to do. I just haven't, you know, had time to do as usual. Right. Well, I'm on a mission and, and here I, to make money, so. Yeah, and that's been a big, like, right now, like, um, and I, I was telling you, and um, I, I, uh, I signed up for this uh, debt relief thing, and, um, yes. and, and, like, so it took away a bunch of my credit cards, so uh, things really need to, like, turn around and make a profit now. It's time. Uh, so, right, right. He's like, now I, I don't have, serious. <laughs> yeah, because now I don't have the credit cards to to foot the bill for anything anymore. So, um, yeah. So, and actually, uh, we we went out last night, and I hit a. I, I had five places in Jersey on my itinerary to hit, and we ended up ended up hitting three. Um, we went to these two places Mike Joy told me about um, first. And the first one was this place called House of Fun in Oakland, New Jersey. And you guys would have, like, went fucking bananas. I mean, it was literally two storefronts in one. The guy, like, expanded into the next storefront. Uh, and every inch of this place was completely covered in vintage toys. It was like seventy five percent vintage toys, old toys, um, to new toys. And it was just unbelievable. Like I didn't know where to start. And like it was like everything and anything. There were like I had to get out of there. Like I couldn't take it no more because my head was like on such overload and I didn't want to spend money in the first place. So I was like, just get me the fuck out of here. But if you guys are when you ever come back to the area, I, you know we'll have to take a little uh, field trip over to House of Fun. It's really cool place. So they now have our magazines, and um, very cool. Then we went to this other place uh, called the Barrington Movie Poster and Bookstore, and it literally it was so we ended up spending like forty five minutes there. Um, older lady uh, owner. And she was telling us the whole lowdown, which we ended up talking, and then Jess ended up buying a bunch, like a bunch of old books on Hollywood actors and stuff like that. So, and it's again, it's us. You know what I mean? Like uh, her husband is a collector, and he got into collecting like movie posters and books and vinyl, and he started going and buying collections and collections and collections and it just like took you know like a whole like took a whole world of its own on and she said they ended up buying this little like house and turning it into a storefront <clears throat> and be making this movie poster store so she was telling us you know, it cleared out our basement and two of our bedrooms out of our house. 
it didn't clear out the five storage units we still have full, though. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> but, you know, it was just really cool and interesting talking to this lady. Her name's Carol. She was, she's a super, super sweet, nice lady. And she's, like, somebody who's, like, really, like, connected in that world of, like, collecting, you know what I mean? Whether it's antiques or comic books or sports memorabilia, she was like in the whole scene of it. And even like with uh, some entertainment things like movie stuff, like little, like um, and just promoting everybody. And she was like giving us business cards to other people. And, you know, there, there's this store opening up and go see this store and just a super nicest freaking lady. Um, Barrington Movie Poster Store um, in Barrington, New Jersey. L- little cool place. Uh, if you're in, and the, they do most of their business online. I got to look and um, I pretty yeah they have a website. I know Mike Joyce Joy's been that putting it out there, but she's on eBay too. She said they sell a ton on eBay. Um, so pretty wild. But, but they, they had she had like boxes and boxes and boxes um, on these shelves of movie posters. And she's like, in each box, there's like 50 posters of each movie. And she's like, it's ungodly. <laughs> I'm just blown away. <laughs> so, yeah. So then we we left there, and then we went to my buddy owns uh, a old toy store himself. It's called the Retro Station and in Woodbury. So then we went there. So And we ended up being there for over an hour. And by that time, it was like 8 o'clock because uh, we were going to go to Mike over to Mike Bruno's to ECWA school. But actually he wasn't even there last night, but Stetson is his teacher. So I was going to stop to see Stetson. But by that time it was just like, you know what? Like I'll have to go all the time. So I'm going to hook up with Bruno either over a weekend or one day next week and stop at school, check it out, and drop off some magazines and, you know, say hello. Yeah. Like you said, we're we gotta make that money. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Every day I'm hustling, right? <laughs> <laughs> gotta every day trying to figure out a new. Uh, yeah. A new money grab. <clears throat> I mean, honestly, though, like, that's that's what I'm doing right now. Like, anytime I get any idea, I'm writing it down and seeing how we can make money off of it. You know what I mean? Like, <sighs> I, I, well, that was like the thing I said to you earlier about like doing calendars. Like, I, I that popped in my head like a couple weeks ago, and then. It popped in my head again this morning when I was driving into work, and I was just—it's a shame. I I wish I like would have thought more serious about it, like maybe six weeks to two months ago, to start putting it in. In you know, I would have had time to pull it together for the new year. Right. I, you know, I think though that if you if you put your mind to it, it could be out before Christmas. Yeah, you know, you know, there's one like catch though that would stop me, money. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sure there's a very similar site to the T-shirt site that does, you know, printing and stuff like that uh, on demand. I don't know. Maybe you could uh, buy author copies, you know what I mean? And do you buy the copies and then sell them? Know. You know what I think I'm going to do? Um, at my office, I have, like, I keep, like, the, my calendars each year. Like, I have, like, a collection over the years of uh, calendars. Right. And, um, you know, like, the the local, the, the car wash down the street from us that does, like, all our detail and stuff like that, you know, they give out calendars every year. So I, I wonder how much it would be, like, it can't be that much to get them printed up. I mean... I mean, like anything, you, um, I'm, I'm sure it's similar to the magazine. I would think it's cheaper than the, the magazine, though. I, I guess that's... I mean, the whole calendar part less is pages. one thing. Yeah, definitely less pages. Hmm. There you go. Cheap calendar printing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I would need to look. Yeah. And see on on that thing. I, I looked on where I get the magazines printed today, um, but they didn't have nothing on there for calendar printing. Mm-hmm. What, what do you think of that idea, Janetti? A calendar. A calendar, a calendar of, of the totally driven women of uh, the women of totally driven. Yeah. How would that work with the? Uh... Copyrights. Well, to, to pictures. Well, I think we we would have to use uh, women that we get permission and then get them to send us an exclusive photo. Right. Ah. Right. That 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 was like my plan. Was would be like to go to, um, you know, get past guests to the show and say, hey, you know, we're putting this. Would you want to contribute a picture to a calendar we're putting together and. I would yeah. think. I, I don't know. I've never done something like that. I don't know how it would work. You know what I mean? Like, no. I mean, I guess oh, that would no, kind no. of be awkward, too. You know what I mean? Like, hey, uh, we want to make money off your picture. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, right. I, you know, well, also... The fact that normally they do something like that, they have, you know, the calendar will have their own type of photo shoot. So that way they take the exclusive picture. They're not just, yeah. like, depending on that, them to right. add one that they're not going to send to anybody else or whatever. Okay. So, so, you know, actually, yeah. that's what What's the Name does. Uh, and it's a huge thing for them. I, and honestly, I think it's something that's truly made their whole brand here in Philly is Preston and Steve. They do that Preston and Steve calendar, and um, they, yeah, they do their own photo shoot, and 
you know, they put it out, and then they do all the calendar signings, and they give see, they give the calendars out for free. I mean, they they have, you know, sponsors and MMR and all that behind them to do all this whole thing. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, because otherwise you're relying on those girls to like, give you right. a picture that, that they may send. You know, they won't send it out right away, but you know, a year from now it'll be all over the place too. Right, right, right. We we would like uh, from from our sponsors of uh, Black Man Ontario Street Comics. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, there's got to be something something out there, some way, somewhere, somehow. We'll get it. We'll get it done. Well, we will. I hope. <laughs> you know, honestly, you'd probably have a better shot if you're going to do something like that, like a calendar or something. I would say more of the bands of Totally Driven. Oh, multiple ones. a good idea, too. Well, those are those guys. Those people would probably be a little hungrier than you know, at wanting to get their name out there. Oh, totally. I think it'd be easier, you know, to have like the uh, the the picture or the band, and then you know something about them and blah blah blah, website whatever. You know, just to get their names out there. Yeah. 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 The ideas are endless. You know, it's funny, like, uh, we are talking to Chris Kelly, and we were talking about, um, you know, he does his, his video episode things in the whole 80s and all, and we've been talking about doing something, um, me and him, with some video stuff. And um, right. one, one of the things we were, like, uh, like kind of doing stuff like uh, Delco, Delaware County area-based, like history type stuff and all. And um, I, I said, you know, I said, what we should do is um, I think it would be kind of funny for me and him to go back to the spot at, at, at the schoolyard, the grade school schoolyard where we met and film where we met. I thought that, I thought that would be kind of interesting and funny. I guess the question I have is where – like, what's your vehicle to show these? Are we talking YouTube? Dude, you know what? Like, now here's the thing. Like, and I, I, I don't know what the the rhyme, reason, or answer to this is, but like, with his ones, he does his '80s ones when he does them. You know, he puts them up on uh, <clears throat> on Facebook first, and he'll get like a yeah. few thousand hits on them, and then he puts them up on YouTube, and he gets some guys. Really? Yeah. Oh wow. Yep. He totally gets way more hits on uh on Facebook. 
I guess, though, it probably has to do with his number of Facebook followers and how active they are. You know what I mean? Well, or what it would be smarter to do is probably to have it on YouTube, but then post it on Facebook. If they click on it, it sends them to the YouTube page. Right. So that way he's yeah. getting the, he's on Facebook. He's getting those people that are looking at it on Facebook, but it goes straight to the YouTube page, and then maybe they'll subscribe to the YouTube page to get right. more videos. So I, I think what he's doing is killing, he's killing himself just having it on Facebook first. Then he transfers it to YouTube. Well, the people have already seen it. They're not going to look at it again. Right. So, you I, know, I, he's got to get I think first too, time traffic. You know, no, I guess that doesn't, because it's not like you're doing a Facebook Live where your people are getting notified that you're going live. You know what I mean? Right. That would be kind of cool, though, for that specific scenario of the schoolyard scenario. Facebook Live might be a great way, especially if you're both doing it live, one from your feed and one from his feed, so you're seeing two different sides of it. That could be really cool. See, that's what I was saying to him. I, I, I said, we should just take a ride down there, like one one Saturday or something, and, and just – because we, it was funny because we were both talking about, like, I can – picture like the, the little corner of the schoolyard um, where where exactly where it happened and you know he, I mean he was like he was a new kid that came like in the middle of the year or whatever and like nobody was talking to him and I was the first one that went over and talked to him and um, we've been friends since it was just a weird thing and it just it, it's weird how something like that happened and really just stuck in our heads and we've been you know tight all these years so I just thought it would be kind of funny especially because the school I mean it's not a school no more um, it's the building the actual school building is there but there was like two buildings to it and one of them buildings was like the school gymnasium on the bottom floor and then the second floor had the um, cafeteria and then years ago there was two more floors above it there was um like more classrooms, and then the top floor was bowling alleys years ago. And they got rid of the bowling alleys over the years and became more classrooms and stuff. But um, now they gutted the building within the last year, year and a half, and I haven't been down there since. I don't even know if it's finalized yet or not, but they rebuilt it and made it like a assisted living place. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the, I mean, like the church is still there, the um, the convent's still there, the rectory's still there. Like these buildings are all still there, and the, the schoolyard itself. But um, and I don't even know if we can get on. Like he, he said, he he heard it like it was blocked off. Like you can't even get in there now. I'm like, oh, you know, whatever. We'll park around the corner and walk over. We'll get in. That's not gonna be a problem. But I, I just think it'll be something cool to do. Yeah, man, especially. Totally. Put out some videos ahead of time that, like, you, you, you're you meeting up there, you know, in a couple of days, and you're thinking, like, the stuff we're saying now, leading up to it as well, and then, like, boom, the meetup. I, I mean, I would watch that shit. 
Tell yeah. Yeah. Be funny. Chris, talk to me, buddy. I got you. <laughs> See, now, and, and here's something, too. Like, this, again, this is where, you know, five years of us saying there's so much we could do. Um, if we were all in one spot, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I, I got to give a shout-out to the, our, the the show, the new show on our network. They've been with us for a few months now, um, Straight Football Talk. Those guys, man. They, you uh, talking about those Ohio guys? Yeah, did you see? Uh, I shared it out. I don't know if you saw it or not. Um, yeah, yeah. They got a – they made a deal with a local uh, sports bar out there. They're out in Van Wert, Ohio, and um, they're doing a pretty wild. They got – let me see here. The place is called Frickers in Van Wert Sports Bar. And uh, they got a couple of the former Ohio State football players are going to be there, uh, J.B. Shugart and Mike Adams. Um, they're going to be doing a Q&A session, autographs, a silent auction of football merchandise, and a chance to win an autographed T-shirt. So go out there and join Teddy the Bear, Tate, Dallas, Big D, Duclo, and awesome Austin Thomas from Straight Football Talk. That's cool, man. Yeah. Well, you saw how fun that could be, right? You did one of those live events. Wasn't it you and your buddy? It can be fun. You were also very frustrating as hell, too. (laughs) Stressful. Yeah. I was just having this conversation with my buddy, Jerry, last night. Um, Because we got the uh, the What's-Your-Name show coming up. Uh the end of October, the Halloween show. And he's, yeah. uh, he's Papa from the, the ghost tribute band. And, um, he was talking to me about like, you oh, come on, you, you got to do more shows and do this. I'm like, no dude. Like I am so looking forward to this show being done. <laughs> like as soon as <laughs> that show is done, like, I uh, like, uh, I, I'm, I'm good. Like it's, it wasn't like, uh, it can be fun and exciting and all. I said, but, this, 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 the scene is dead. It's just a very stressful thing. It is. I, there, there, I, I think that you could have cracked it if you had, you know, $25,000 in advertising money to spend. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And that's just unrealistic. You know what I mean? It, it comes back down to those two words um, with a lot of things. Uh Time and money. Yep. I'm with you, buddy. That's why you got to have multiple revenue streams, Bay. I'm telling you, I've said it before on I know. Seven. Seven is the number that the average millionaire has. Seven. I, Seven I, revenue sure. streams, yeah. <laughs> I guess you got to be able to put full-time time into each one of them, too. And, and I mean, it's tough. 
I'm like four right now, and it's it's insanely hard. Yeah. Interesting. So, all right. Well, um, <laughs> you, you threw me off there with all those revenues. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm counting like, all right. Well, we got me, and my wife, and I mean, I no, 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 no. Individual. Individual. Oh, indiv- so I would need 14 revenue streams. You would need no. They're, they're saying to make them the average millionaire, one person has seven revenue streams. So, okay. so to be a millionaire on your own, now you have a whole family to support, so money gets, you know, divided differently. But, yeah, I mean, they say the average millionaire, seven is the lucky number. I, I think in that situation, 13 might be luckier because you <laughs> would definitely need more than seven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. So let's, uh, I think our guest is on the line. Let's see who this is. Is this the one and only Ashley Burgess? Yes, it is. Hi, you cocksucking piece of the shit. What are you guys up to? <laughs> you dumb motherfuckers. Seven fucking things of revenue. What the fuck are you guys talking about? Are you guys fucking retarded? Who is this? Who, the, who fucking has all these? You guys are millionaires? Huh? Talking about millionaires? Holy shit, I'm a millionaire. <laughs> oh, good God, you guys are dumb motherfuckers. Interesting. Well, it's been a while since we had one of those calls. Yeah, I don't know who the fuck that retard was, but I don't know how you I thought it was somebody through. <laughs> you know what? I, I thought it was somebody we knew. It sounded like a familiar voice, but the area, I don't know. What was that area code? Because uh, I, I was going to say, I know that wasn't Ashley's number. So I was kind of like thought it was a different line of hers, maybe. Um, now I want to see what area that was. California. San Diego. California. So that's got to be one of the retards you've interviewed over the last couple of years. <laughs> oh boy uh, Some fucking drunk Interesting Interesting That's funny Yeah Well I guess you know that's when uh that's when you know you're doing good is when you have crank calls. I guess, yeah. <laughs> and we have somebody else here. So an, another one's calling in. Oh, Jesus Christ. Let's see. Where's Be funny, please. It's another California number. I know. Yeah. See, I know Ashley's number, so I'm just gonna, I'll just wait for Ashley to call in. I'll let them wait. And they can sit there and sit there and sit there. I mean, unless it bothers you, you can put them on. They're just going to say dumb shit and hang up or get knocked off. You know what I mean? Like, 
at the end of the day, I'm going to take my headphones off and go eat a piece of pizza. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> let them fucking run their mouths. Oh, man. I just appreciate the fact that somebody cares enough about the conversation to call in, even if it's to make fun of it. You know what I mean? Because that means you're hanging right. on my every word, bitch. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know what I want to talk about? What's that? Chicago PD. Yes. <laughs> Come on, man. Like... Talk about a controversial topic, and I thought the best part of it was everybody involved was a sleeve bag. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, how pissed off um, were you just watching that and just knowing that's the shit that really goes on in this world today? I, I think what hit me the most was, like, the top. They, like, they had him do it. You know what I mean? Like, he like he shot at a suspect. It went through the suspect's abdomen and into a little girl. You know what I mean? Like, right. it was totally his fault. And he, they, he didn't shy away from that fact. You know what I mean? No. Like, And they were going to fucking crucify him for it. And, uh, you know, until that guy stepped in, he, I mean, he would have definitely lost his job. I'll I tell you what that and that cop, um, the one who's now the uh, what's the uh, the accountant, um, that dude, he just rubbed me so wrong. Yeah, there's a couple guys in the franchise that you want to punch in the face. Him and the guy that 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 is the the guy above the chief on Chicago Fire. Every time I see him on the screen, I want to punch him in the face too. Oh, yeah, 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 oh, yeah. Now, the, um, I'm looking up the actor's name now. The guy that plays Halstead. Yeah. Uh, you know what, I, I, I gotta, like, I'm trying to look up his name right now. What's, uh, what is his, what's his name? Who plays him? <laughs> I'm about to find out for you. Uh, here we go. Jesse Lee Sofer. Jesse that Lee dude, Sofer, yeah. hats off. How, um, how tremendous of a job did he do last night? Um, I mean, that, that scene, the two scenes, the one when he was um, sitting outside the, the mom's the little girl's house and just crying and pulled away, and then the final scene when he walked away crying. How just emotional were those moments, man? I, absolutely, man. And you know which other one I'll throw in there? When he was talking to the girl and uh, saying that he was going to go back to the hospital and she had to tell him that the little girl died. Right. A tremendous amount of emotion in his. But without saying a word, he really displayed a tremendous amount of emotion. You know what I mean? Like... He did a hell of a job. And, you know, that's the chance of that show, though. They're they're awesome. 
I'm going to really miss Lindsay, but everybody else is equally as awesome, and we get Antonio back. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the way they brought him back. Well, yeah, and I heard the other guy, the one who was the boss, was, is on SBU now as the same character. You know what? Yeah, I don't think he was on last night, but we missed, like, the first 10 minutes. Um, but, yeah, Jess had told me that, and I wasn't happy about that. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. But tonight's now Chicago Fire, and uh, what's his name? Dies. Now, do you, do you know the, what the what happened there? Like, why he left the show, or? Um, I I I've been staying away from spoilers, so I don't know who died. But <laughs> oh, are you serious? Yeah, it's in, like, every, uh, in every I'm, preview. I'm I sorry, really, dude. No, uh, well, I know somebody's. You know what I mean? Like, they already said somebody's going to die. You know what I mean? I, I mean, they literally, dude, every preview and promo for it, they tell you. They 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 have, like, killed it. And, and I was kind of shocked that they did. Oh, wow. They, they tell you who dies in every friggin' promo. It's insane. I think a big part of me not knowing is um, is the fact that I don't watch TV on TV anymore. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Oh, that's wow. funny. <laughs> oh, I'm curious boy, boy. if I'm curious to see if it's who you who you think it is or if they've been playing games with the preview. Oh, no, dude. They show, they show, um, like, like a, a funeral thing with them all standing there and they have the, the I'm not even going to tell you who it is now, they have the person's picture but, hanging up that, that they're saluting. Oh, really? Yeah. Now I can't wait to get off the damn radio show and go watch it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny! Wow, man. that's wild. And and you know what? Somebody, there's another person now that's on hold that's calling from Chicago. Chicago. <laughs> oh man! Well. Craziness. Yeah, don't discriminate against Chicago. You know, there was a show I wanted to ask you about. Have you ever watched um, The Mick? The Mick. Uh, Yeah, yeah, I think. Okay, so, like, before we get into this, can I just get it out there? Like, I think that the oldest daughter is ridiculously hot. But, yes, I I guess. (laughs) Do you watch it? Yeah. 
I haven't watched it, but every time I see the previews I, or for it, I say to myself, I should be watching this, and I never do. But I, it's one of those shows where, like, you can just watch it. Like, there is a storyline, but I think if you just randomly turned it on, you'd be entertained enough. Like, you don't really have to follow the storyline to get it. You know what I mean? Right, right. I mean, it's basically kind of Uncle Buck or, uh, you know, something similar. It's pretty funny, I guess. Now, Janetti, you're being super quiet over there. Yeah, Janetti, Dan. Young up. He's in a boom-boom room. Nice. He's, he's still on there, but and he drifts off from time to time. <laughs> he actually has an, an interesting. Uh, yeah. He had he had an interesting um, person attend their uh, their wrestling school last week. Oh really? Yeah, it was funny. I the person put up uh, put up pictures on their Instagram. I'm like, oh wow. Uh, it was a former WWE diva, and uh, that she hadn't been in the ring in like four years. I'm like, oh wow, no shit, she got back in the ring. And I was going through the pictures. I'm like, wait a minute, that's her with Pablo. That's the school Randy teaches at. And then I go to the next picture, and it's like a group shot of her in the ring with everybody from the school. And there's Janetti. I'm like, ah. <laughs> oh wow. Hey, did, speaking of that, do you know that that uh, – now, like, I don't watch any of these shows anymore, so I'm not 100% on who they are. But apparently Paige, and, and I think she's the one that, like, did some nasty stuff with the belt and Alberto Dorito, right? But do you right. know that she has a movie coming out that's like – it's like a comedy drama based on her life. What? It's called Fighting with My Family. Look it up. It's, yeah. Yeah, man. It's, uh, uh... The Rock is executive producing it, and, uh... Yeah. Fighting with My Family. 2018. So isn't she coming back to WWE? I mean, I don't really know when she was there, but, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I'm only vaguely aware that she was, like, the one with the accent, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The British chick. A former wrestler and his family makes a living performing at small venues around the country while his kid dreams of joining the WWE. So they got their hands in it somehow with the Rock involved and Vince Vaughn's involved too. Yeah, I saw um, Stephen Merchant is doing it too. I don't know if you know who he is. He's like the seven foot tall giant. He's a comedian. Um, he, did, he did like extras in the Ricky Gervais show and stuff like that. But I think he's directing the whole thing. But uh, if Jimmy was on the line, I'd tell him that Nick Frost is in the movie because he knows who that is. <laughs> so, no, Vince Vaughn is playing Jake the Snake in it. 
No, he's not, is he? I'm looking at the cast list right now. The Rock plays himself, and uh, Vince Vaughn plays Jason Snake Roberts, it says. And then Holy it looks like God. somebody. Yeah. I, I, somebody's. I got to see who this person is because they were on hold for ten minutes. Let's see who this is. <laughs> uh, I'm curious now. Is it really? A, is it a crank call? It's waiting on the phone. Let's see. Hey, you're live on the air. Who's this? Yeah, hi. This is Tommy. Hey, Tommy. How are you? Good. I just want to say that you guys are horrible. You guys suck my dick, you piece of dog shit. I got you again, <laughs> you cock-sucking motherfuckers. You guys have the worst hey. goddamn show on earth. Oh, my God. Yeah, right. Thank, you, you, thank you for tuning in and, and, and spending valuable moments of your life on us. It means so much. Thank you. I, I don't think it counts as got us again. If we said that we knew it was you before we answered the phone, you fucking retard. I know. <laughs> let's let's spend our night spoofing our number to crank call. You know what I mean? That's great. It was funnier when the Howard Stern show called us. You know what I mean? When they called us and tried being Michael Caine and doing it, it was a lot funnier. When it's right, a random right, right. person that doesn't have a life, then, you know, whatever. I don't know. I still think it's kind of funny. I mean, this dude is, he's entertaining himself. You know what I mean? He's, you know, wherever he is, sitting in his mom's basement. He's got us on speed dial, spoofing his number. And uh, he's having a good time. You know what I mean? Because guess what, dude? You're giving us the listen anyway. You know, know. what I mean? We got I your know. click. Like, thank you. You you are our fans. Like, you know, what do you say? You know what I mean? Like, like he listened to us for 10 minutes before we allowed him to talk shit about us. You know what I mean? Like, I know. that's a commitment to our show. I haven't been listening for the last 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> the, fu- the funny part is they called back in, so now they can, like, You're too nice. Uh, I let them sit on hold. Just let them waste value moments of their life. Oh, man, hey. Thanks for the rating. It's one of them dudes who thinks that if you talk the loudest, that makes you right. I don't know. I still enjoy it, honestly. I know you're not really feeling it as much as me, but so uh, what's uh, 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 up with our next guest? Um, they were running late, actually. Running late. Let me see. Oh, you know what? I didn't get a chance to talk to you about either was um, that convention I went to. Yes. And Miss Iris West. You know what? So, all right. So, 
we went and you know there was like this whole it was like like the whole a lot of the CD, C, uh, CW family there um, from the superhero shows Arrow, uh, Flash, uh, some Legends, and um, was there anybody from Supergirl there? I don't think there was. So we went, and um, the few people I wanted to meet was uh, uh, Katrina Law, Miss right. Dalgul, um, Candace Patton, who plays Iris West. And I, I wanted to meet the dude that plays Diggle, because I had that Arrow poster that I'm trying to get completed, signed. Um, so I went to go get in his line first, actually, and they had cut it off. Um, because the line was too long. Well, it turns out after talking with some, our good friend Batman, the Dark Knight, um, he actually met him earlier, and he said um, he was spending so much time with each individual person. He said that that was a big part of why they had to cut it off. Like, he was just a super nice guy, and, um, you know, it, it just ran over. So, right. Which, it, it gets kind of awkward because I kind of hate that situation because in a situation like that, you know there's like this line of people behind you. And like with Katrina Law, prime example was she was the same exact way. Like with each person, I was watching it as, um, you know, as we were getting closer. And she was, you know, super cool with each person, taking time, talking to them, and then would, um, you know, just, not just take one picture with them. It was four or five or six pictures, and it was just like real quick poses, different poses and all. It was just mind-blowingly cool, because usually it's just a real quick, hey, blah, 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 and then off. Right. So... That's how, I mean, Katrina Law was probably one of the nicest people I ever met. Like, I couldn't say it enough um, to whoever I've told. Um, so, one of the, so one of the other people that we went and met, and we met him before, was Robin Lord Taylor, who plays the Penguin. And we, uh, he was the same way. He was like, um, get a picture with the whole family, get a picture with just Rita, get a picture with Rita and Jack, like all these different pictures and poses. And once I, sh- as soon as I showed him the picture of him and Rita together with the picture that Rita drew him um, a year ago, like he instantly remembered. It was like, boom. Oh, wow. Yeah. He was like, oh my God, the picture. I, I remember you. He's like, I have the picture still. And it, it was just a super cool situation. Yeah. It just, very, very rare. And, and the weird part was, like, with him, there wasn't, like, a big line, believe it or not. There was only like, a few people behind us. So it was kind of like I, you didn't have to feel so weird and awkward standing there. Oh, see, that's cool, man. And now I can't wait to hear the great story you have to tell about Iris West. So, <laughs> so Iris, Candace Patton, now, she seemed like there, there was like a, not like a crazy line, but a nice line, and um, she seemed nice. You know what I mean? Like 
seen not just being involved, but kind of cautious, shall we, shall we say, but like with like people right. in front of us and all, just like, and I don't want to say going through the motions, but, um, so when it was our turn, um, now they, they, this is the um, it was something else I really observed with this place was, I'm, so, I'm like I'm actually right now I'm like so cold and freezing like I'm starting to shiver. Um, <laughs> It's weird, like, it just got really, really cold. Um, so the, um, you know, most conventions, you, you get the autographed picture or you have your own item that you're paying to get signed. And um, the the big thing now is the selfie. You know, you pay to get the selfie, which the selfies were always kind of a lot cheaper. Well, now they're, like, the more focal point. I'm noticing, right. and we were guilty of this as well, where we um, we just got pictures with the people. We didn't get, like, autographs or nothing because the, the prices were kind of outrageous. Like, to do, like, a package deal was your average, like, $70, $80 a person. And actually, I think I think Candace Patton was 90 if I'm not mistaken. Now, see, that's – I've got to ask you a serious question, okay? And I'm not trying to be sexist or anything like that, but why the fuck would you pay $90 to get a picture with the Flash's girlfriend? <laughs> you like <laughs> what the no, hell? Well, that was to get a – no, that was to get a picture with and to get an autograph. So picture and an autograph, still not worth the $90. No, no, not at all. Not at all. I ended up paying $40 just for the picture with her. Oh, Which man. is what the the average going rate just to get a picture with a person was either 30 to $40. And you're talking about, like, the selfie picture, not the printed out one, right? Correct. Correct. So when a, she was behind she was behind a table and we had to go behind a table and um, Rita said she wanted to get in the picture with me and then all of a sudden like Rita got really awkward about the whole thing and she got nervous and she was kind of like Ugh. and I just kind of like drug her with me and we got on each side of her and um, I, I said to her I, I handed her mag- the magazine I said hey I said you know I put these magazines out entertainment magazine love to get a picture of you holding the magazine and she wouldn't touch it <laughs> and I just propped it up in front of us and snapped the, the, the person snapped the quick picture and I you know I said hey well here this is for you to you know read if you want or whatever and thank you and walked away and Jess just looked at me she's like you did not make her happy she looked very pissed off <laughs> I was like, well, <laughs> now, did she um, even like ver- did she verbally respond when you said, you know, here's the magazine, uh, and, you know, hold it up or whatever? No. Just not no. a word. It was like, just take the picture and get out of my face. You know what? Like, I saw the awkward look on her face out of the corner of my eye. I can still picture it. Like, as, especially, like, as I was leaving and giving her the magazine and, like, laying it on the table in front of her, like, I saw the awkward look on her face, like... Yeah, kind of get the fuck away from me. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? 
I wonder if she's just not like, you know what I'm saying? There's celebrities that are totally into the con scene, and then there's ones that just like I don't make. I'm thinking that that was not her place to be. You know what I mean? Like she's probably really great on a panel, but not so much, you know, just meeting in real life. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think she is kind of new to the whole thing. <clears throat> like, the, the person in front of us, it was kind of like a family, and they had, like, a little infant, and they had her holding the infant. And she, I mean, she, and she seemed into it and um, was actually smiling and laughing about it. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, <laughs> well, look, you know what, honestly, I mean, her first reaction, it could have been a porn magazine you were holding up in front of her. <laughs> you know, I mean. Yeah, it's true. I, 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 you know, I didn't think of it that way. Yeah, I mean, she doesn't know. Yeah, you have your daughter with you, but, I mean, still, some some of these morons out there probably wouldn't put it past them. And here's yeah, this chick. She, she doesn't know what's in it. She's going to be holding that up? I don't think so. No, but I mean, there are some, I've been to some conventions and I have friends that go to ones regularly, and there are some that'll, like, get in costumes and shit for you. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Like, oh, yeah. They'll hold props and, you know what I mean? So I, I, I'm, I don't think it was too much to ask for. No, no, I don't think so, but I mean, you know, it, it, I don't know about that. See, now, on the, on the flip side, like, opinion. Did, Jeanette, did you see the pictures at all? I saw a couple of them. <laughs> yeah, like, on, on the flip side, like, Katrina Law, she was all about it. Like, you know, it... Now, Katrina I Law had it. Spartacus before she even did Arrow and Legends and any of that. When she was doing the... She was doing conventions for them with the guy that played Deathstroke. So she does have a little bit more experience. Yeah. And so, but she and also just seems like a fun person. You know what I mean? She, she totally is. Like, the, the the dinosaur pictures I sent over to you, there was a dude, you know them, like, dinosaur costumes that you see now right. people wearing, like, um, at conventions? I'm seeing them a lot. Yes, yes. Well, there was a guy there. He was in an inflatable T-Rex Um I wonder if I can find them. I sent them to Nick. Let me see if I can find it in our chat. Because, Janetti, these pictures are freaking hysterical. She um she did, like, um, a photo op thing with this dinosaur, and she called it the, um, the evolution of love or romance or something. And it was, like, four different pictures, and it was, like, blowing kisses and hug and... I forget what, like, the third one was, but the fourth one was her, like, behind the dinosaur, uh, with the dinosaur bent over, her smacking the dinosaur ass. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. I'm, I'm trying to do a search in the thing and send Nick a message. Uh, let me see. I don't fuck do you do this. Facebook changes shit. Oh, here we go. Searching conversation. Long conversation. Searching conversation. 
searching Facebook to send me some kind of new kind of furry porn. Look at you. <laughs> Uh, it's not fucking working. Oh well. But it, it, I'll it, tell you guys with this scenario, like, imagine. I would imagine that there's going to be some similarities between Katrina Law and, and Candace Patton if you had uh, Laurel and Sarah. You know what I mean? I bet you one's a lot more fun than the other. I'm not going to say who. <laughs> mm. But one of them looks like they may be a real pain in the ass. <laughs> now, Jeanette met Sarah. I met Laurel. And Laurel was actually, she was cool. Yeah. Yeah, I met, uh, what's her name? Katie Lutz. Is it Katie Lutz? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. She was, she, she was very sweet, very nice. I didn't ask her to hold anything up. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I asked um, I asked Laurel, because she signed my, my Arrow poster, I asked her to sign it uh, S. Malcolm Merlin, and, and she had no problem. She was kind of laughing about it. No, see, that's what I'm saying. Like, Sia went out of the way. Katrina Law went out of the way. Um, I, I, I I can't even begin to experience and explain the trauma that I went through with John Barrowman. You know what I mean? <laughs> he went out of the way. <laughs> so, like, some of them are real. I, I imagine I'd like to meet Cisco. I would go that far, but I'm not paying even $40 to meet the Clash of Girlfriends. That's, that's not going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, Nick, real quick, I, I saw a picture recently of John Barrowman at one of the conventions, and I yeah. realized your trauma could have been a lot worse. Yeah. Because I, the, last I, I, I saw <laughs> him at, the last convention I saw him at, he was wearing a TARDIS dress. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. So it could have been a lot worse for you, but. My mother-in-law tried to convince me to drive to his house because he was having a, a yard sale live on Twitter, and he gave out his address. <laughs> That's uh, creepy. But they were selling they were selling like a, an entire house worth of stuff. They just had to get rid of it all because they were selling the house, and they just opened it up. And he was there signing autographs and walking around and saying hi. You know what I mean? Like, he's a crazy dude. <laughs> yeah. I had an interesting story from Sunday. Because, uh, not related to a yeah. Comic Con, but it's, <laughs> it's an interesting story. Uh, Bay knows, and Nick, you probably don't know. I, Bay, I, I've been training a. a young girl to uh, wrestle uh, for the last year. Uh, she's very good. She's only 16, though. But in this time, that uh, she's been in maybe nine months, all told. Uh, in that nine months, she did, she, she's done more at 16 than I did at 16 when I started wrestling. 
It's been more, more than so, nine months. Huh? It's been a lot longer than no, nine months, hasn't turned, it? She turned 15 in December. Or she turned 14, oh, 16 wow. in December. Yeah, so, and she didn't start wrestling technically until January. Because um, we at least had to wait till she turned 16. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyway, either way, um, she's also done shows at that uh, what we call the boom boom room, but they call it the knockout room, <laughs> uh, where she's done wrestling, uh, and she's done matches. Well, the last time she did matches, there was a photographer there took some pictures uh, of the entire show. So anyway, I get this magazine from the club, and it's got oh, no. pictures of oh, no. the matches in one of the pages. Oh, no. So, anyway, so and, and she's in like three or four of the pictures. So oh, no. I turn around the magazine. And I go in, and her parents are very, very nice people. Uh, and both are very cool and very nice people. But I didn't think about it until it hit me, and I started to hand him the magazine. Because all of it, all the rest of the magazine is nothing but, like, nude pictures of girls, of the, you know, the local stuff, advertisements oh, and films no. and all. Except for this one page that's all like wrestling pictures and what about they're doing in the club for the thing. So I'm sitting there and I hand this to her father and I'm like, here, wait a minute. Let me let me get to the page and let me explain this before. So here I am handing a father pictures, a, a magazine with pictures in it of his 16-year-old daughter and it's a stripper magazine. It's... <laughs> It was the weirdest situation I've ever had. If I was down here with you, I would not stand next to you for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Now, let me ask you this. Is is the father older or younger than you? Uh, He's a couple years older than I am. Not much. Not much. I think he's a couple years older than you. That's it. Wow, he is a musician. He is a, uh, a musician and all. He's very cool. He was laughing about it, but I, I was sitting there honestly. I was like hesitant to hand it to him because I'm like, you know, I hand you a stripper magazine with pictures of your 16 year old daughter, and I'm not happy about it because I didn't think about it at first. <laughs> now, <laughs> was the uh, the mother there too? Yes. Yes. Yeah, she's very. Is she she's cool too? Yeah, she's very cool. She's, she's a doctor. And she's, I think, uh, older than he is, actually. So I'm not absolutely sure. But either way, yeah. But yeah, they. I, I mean, and they both laughed about it and, and didn't care because I mean, it, you know, it's it's about the show. But yeah, the rest right. of it. it I said, here's what we'll do. We'll get a couple magazines and we'll pull the page out and we'll mount it <laughs> before we show it to anybody. 
No, I was saying to Nick about who you guys had come in on Saturday. I don't know where you were, but I don't know if you heard me saying it. But I didn't say who it was. Yeah. So I'll, I'll let you tell that story. No, I, yeah, no. Uh, I, does Nick know who it is? No, he doesn't. Uh, no, I didn't tell. I didn't tell him who it was. Oh no, but I mean, does he know her normally? Oh, um, I don't know. He might. Uh, Nick, you remember the Celeste Bolin? The uh, girl Caitlin from WWF. No, it's been a while since I. Um, I mean, Trish Stratus was still there the last time I watched. <laughs> yeah, no, this was uh, this was the girl that was always fighting with CM Punk's wife, that little AJ girl. Okay, okay. The blonde, and she ended up leaving, going, and starting a company, and and. Uh, she went Very back nice. into like bodybuilding. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes, yeah, she did. Bless her heart. So, <laughs> honest to God, man, you should see her legs. I swear, I was, she did not forget leg day. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, but she came into the school to, uh, to train a bit Saturday. She hadn't been in the ring in like four years. She said so. Oh, wow. Yeah. So did your students freak out? No, you know what was sad? Not a lot of them knew who the fuck she was. <laughs> uh, <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, the ones that were there, there weren't many. There were a few, like three or four. Um, and they didn't really, I don't know if they paid attention to those facts. More the guys were more of the fact that she was hot than who she was. Right. <laughs> you know, she could have never been on TV before. If she came in walking like that, they'd have been drooling anyway. So. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, she's a very sweet girl, and I don't know if she if she's thinking comeback or not or or what, but. You know, she did a couple hours in the race uh, with the kids, and that was it. Now, let me did she, um, let's see a couple hours. Let's hear the assessment. Like, how was she? Uh, her timing was the timing was the worst part about it. Um, and that's what suffers. You know, when you step out of the ring, even for like six, eight months, you know, your timing is going to suffer. Um, the moves and all were, you know, she still knew how to do and, and didn't have any issues with it. But the timing is, was way off, and that was, honestly, that's nothing you could help with being out of the for you. You just got to get right. back in there for, you know, some more time and, and get, you know, mm-hmm. get your timing back. But it won't take long once she gets in there right. to get back. It's just, yeah. But otherwise, I mean, her moves were solid. Her moves were, you know, uh, uh, she was, uh, did everything correctly. But, yeah, the timing, just, you could tell she hadn't been in the ring in a while. Oh, wow. So she just, like, showed up unannounced. Like, you guys weren't expecting her. No, I I think uh, Pablo knew about it. 
But yeah, she because uh, Saturday mornings they don't usually train. So usually it's Sunday morning, Monday, Wednesday, and, and Friday evenings. Um, so yeah, it was a special thing. He knew she was coming in. I guess that's the only day she could come. Dixie. I sent a couple pictures, Nick, in our group chat, too. Okay, cool. I'll have to check them out. That's pretty cool, though. I mean... Yeah, you know, it's nice. Because she was... I mean, she's... I thought she did well when she was working in the the WWE. And I I was disappointed when I heard she was leaving because it was just... You know, she she was one of the ones that was actually pretty good. Um, you know, so maybe she'll uh, she'll do a comeback now. But uh, women's wrestling today, not honestly, is a lot more prominent for WWE than it was four years ago. Right. You know, it's a, it means a lot more to them now. I think. Uh, so maybe now she'll you know. She said she didn't leave with any kind of malice or anything. You know, it was her run was done, and, and you know, not like she went to another wrestling company or anything. She just went to start her own company. It it, it seems um, like with the, on the diva end that they have a lot shorter um, career span in WWE than the guys do. Well, so, yeah, it's that and the fact of it, it's harder for them to get ring time, uh, you know, singly yeah. in matches uh, without doing, like, five-way matches. And that's a lot of times what you see nowadays, even even how prominent the, the women's wrestling is. They're still only doing five, five-way five matches or four-way matches on the ring because they can only devote one or two mo- uh, matches to the, to the females. So they're not getting a lot of ring time. And, you know, a lot of them, it, when you start juggling around of who's who, you know, if, you, if you're on the bottom of that aisle, you're not, you're getting even less ring time because you're not the populace. You know. Yeah, and I mean, you got to think of all the girls that go through there, um, very few stand out. You know what I mean? Like, and and even fewer than that have sort of a legacy within the company. The problem being, and I would say, yeah, legacy, whatever, but the, the you know, I, I train with these kids down here, and I trained, uh, up in Virginia with with the, the kids up there. The problem being is most of these kids today they don't remember like Dick Murdoch. They don't remember Ray Stevens or Buddy well, Rose. It's not, or, it's not that they don't remember; it's that you're old. They don't know them. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, huh? <laughs> they, they don't know. They them. had to know who it was in order to remember. They just don't know. No, I know that. But what I'm talking about is <laughs> when I. When I started wrestling, when I started watching wrestling, I wanted to know everything about it. 
You know, I watched shit from wherever, Portland. These kids have it easy now. You couldn't see that right. shit when you when we were kids, unless we were doing tape trades or something like that. You know, with people from from uh, across the country or whatever. Yeah. You know, and these kids have it easy. They can go on YouTube and find any friggin' match they want to, or they could find any kind gonna... of stuff on WWE's channel. I was just going to say that, like, I guess that's, like, not even a thing anymore. Like, you know, beside the fact that, like, v- VHS is a thing of the past, but I guess there's not, like, DVD trading going on. It's just, like, all YouTube and WWE Network and... Right. Well, well, now they don't have to. I mean, years ago, you had to, even with Japan, uh, you know, to get matches from Japan, you had to trade trade or, or DVD trade with people. Um, yeah. But nowadays, New Japan has a channel. Uh, you know, you can watch anything you want nowadays. It's easier, a hell of a lot easier nowadays. And these people should be, you know, if you're watching this sport, you should be watching it, you know, not only for the fact, because I asked the kids sometimes, I said, you know, to this one kid, I said, all right, who do you like? Who's who's your favorite wrestler? Of course, what do you say? Shawn Michaels. I'm like, okay. You know who his favorite wrestler is? And he looked at it. I said, do you know how Shawn Michaels got started? Who he patterned himself after? Why wouldn't you want to know that kind of history if this guy's your favorite? You know? Yeah, like, do, do, do they even know, like, I, I mean, Shawn Michaels, yeah, like, I mean, that, that was probably, like, the man when they were small kids growing up and all. And, um, but, like, yeah. I, so I guess they really don't even know, like, the true Ric Flair. Right. Yeah. I mean, they haven't, they don't want, see, that's the thing. It's like, you know, they have the opportunity. And I understand, and a lot of, and a lot of them, I didn't realize that, you know, like, you, me, Nick, we, we all have, like, old NWA, old AWA, world class, all those old type wrestling things that when we were growing up, that's what we were watching. UWF, whatever. I didn't realize that the first exposure these kids had to wrestling was the attitude era of WWF. You know what I mean? But, but I mean, that's the truth, though. It really is. You know what I mean? And in their generation, they're not looking backwards. You know what I mean? Like, there's... There are people that when they get into the wrestling business, they learn everything they can about the business. And there are people that are maybe athletic and just looking to build themselves as a brand. And they don't really care how they do it. They just happen to be good at wrestling. You know what I mean? And, like, there seems to be more of that generation today than anywhere else. So I totally get that that that's as far back as their memory goes. Like, like. I would guarantee you that if I walked in there to talk to my 15-year-old daughter and asked her what Dwayne Johnson did before he was The Rock, she would have no idea. Yeah. yeah. And that, and that, well, see, that's what I'm saying. So when you when you say about legacy, I'm like, these fucking kids don't remember these guys. My legacy <laughs> doesn't have Oh, man. No, it, it, it's, let me ask you this, Jenny, like, um, 
last night when we we was out with the magazines out and I made the one stop at a um, retro station. I'm talking to my buddy that owns the place and we started talking, you know, old time wrestling and he's like our age, he's mid forties. And um, so we're talking about, you know, stuff from the eighties and stuff like that. And um, he was saying how he's like, you know, it's weird. Like today, all the wrestlers today, he goes to me, like they all exactly look alike. They all have the same body style. He said, they all look like, Gay models. <laughs> yeah, it it is true. They're like cookie cutters. Because you put up guys yeah. like Randy Orton and John Cena, and you know these type guys, and they all do look alike. They got the box little box yeah. haircuts or the shaved down haircuts, uh, and the muscles. One's lanky, one's a little stouter, and the other. You know, I mean. So yeah, it, all, it is. They're not. They all just not, go by their uh, own name, too. It's always yeah, like, right. I, you know, just maybe they have a nickname, but usually it's just, it's you know, whatever their deal is. Like, there's there, that's a gimmick now, just in and of itself. Right. Well, but, you know, you don't see guys like Dusty Rhodes, you know, his type, body type anymore. Uh, no. Or guys like... Uh, well, Abdul the Butcher, any of those those bigger guys like that. You don't really see I will see say that. this. I, I've seen some commercials for the WWE lately, and they seem to be on a trend for, like, bearded hillbilly. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, been their big thing well, in the last couple of years. I think that's the trend. That, see, that what it, what it is is they're doing more stuff with popular culture. So with social right. media, all this stuff. So, yeah, and popular culture, for some reason, these fucking beards, people are into them. If my beard gets more than, like, you know, 12 inches long, I start, like, really itching. I'm like, I don't know how these people do it. Yeah. Yeah. I can't do that. I don't either. My beard is amazing right now. on my face. I have a goatee. That's it. That's my freaking chin. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> you know how you don't get itchy, dude? You you use beard oil. You know what I'm saying? Like, you put it in, Nick. you film it out. Uh, dude, you, know what? That, you need to make that too a much, shirt. Nick. Too much work. It's a little too much Nick, work. Nick, you need to make that a shirt. What? My beard is awesome right now. <laughs> My beard is awesome right now. With with uh, like a, just a beard. It's true. That should be a shirt. Yeah. And then you post that link in like beard Facebook pages. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah, oh, that's, that's funny. New trend nowadays. So it's all these people. Because dude, I mean, I you think that you think you see that in the WWE? Go to one of these friggin' independent shows. Every one of these kids. They ain't got no hair on their heads, but they got hair on their faces. Yeah. Even if they should. You call this one kid Patches. Like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's got the Joe Dirt going on. Oh. Patches. You know, it's coming in one foot. You know, the, the, the kid is actually like 26 years old, but he looks like he's 16. You know, because I had more hair on my face at 16 than he's probably got anywhere else. Oh, that's too funny, man. 
patches. <laughs> the oh, first man. time somebody yeah. called me that shit, I would shave because that's not a nickname you want to stick in wrestling. You know what no. I mean? Like, <laughs> no, and it, and it was not his nickname until I saw it. Yeah. I don't think it was. Because I was like, oh, dude, I, I want yeah, you to know right. there's like an 85% chance that you may just get cry. <laughs> uh, I'm telling you, man, that's just, you know, come on. <laughs> if you shave more, it comes out. I told him that, too. It's like if you shave it more, it comes out. Keep going. You'll work on it. And I was being nice. I could have let the kid go on being foolish. Well, that's true. That's true. Fine. I tell Kennedy, you, like Kennedy's always I'm looking out. He is. He's a mentor is what he is. I'm telling him the truth. Truth hurts sometimes. Suck it up, Patches. You'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, oh, man. Oh, that's too funny. So, so, should we even like cross over that whole NFL world, or just leave it alone? Uh, you know, uh, you're you you're the one that's like worried about what people say about it. I, I wasn't worried about what people say about it. I was worried about what they say about me. Uh, yeah. Who cares? Welcome. Can we just wait a minute for my live stream to load? Oh, How is it? <laughs> really, really matters. My fantasy football thing. I had the volume down on my. I had the. I had the volume down on my computer, and it still played volume. How? How could that be? <laughs> This is going, no, turn it up. Uh, and I have a headset plugged in, and it's still. That's, that's weird. Um, yeah, yeah, I told you the way I feel about this, this NFL crap. No. I don't know. I yeah, I, I just... Uh, I, I was talking the other day when I, I talked to you about it. But yeah, it was yeah. it was on Saturday. So me and you talked to Eddie, and I was sitting there. I was I was actually at the office on Saturday, which is a rarity. And um, I was sitting there, and I was actually kind of bored. And I just started posting stuff for the hell of it, just to see what would happen. And I posted about the NFL, and I had to delete it because people are just like insane. And no, like immediately people on your friends list are cursing each other out, threatening their kids, offering to kick each other's asses. <laughs> it was crazy. That was, that was, um, what the hell was that? That was something even different. That pissed me off. That really pissed me off. What was that about? Um, a Walmart. That was all about Walmart. Because Walmart wants to deliver... Um, 
groceries now, which, okay, yeah, a lot of companies do that. That's not a big deal. But they want to deliver to your home to you when you're not home and put your groceries away. And I just thought that was weird and creepy. Well, <laughs> what people will say for it. Your shit. Right. Well, it turns into like a whole people started like cursing each other out and their kids. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, people are just nuts. Is it, that's, like, you know whose fault it is? Amazon's fault. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, you're they're just like, yo, you, you guys are fucking grown ups. You know that, right? Like, you're talking to another grown up that way for no reason. You know what I mean? Over Walmart delivering food to your house, you just threaten someone's life. <laughs> like these these are people in their mid forties, fifty years old, and and like you need to educate them on how to be a civil human being. It's it's unfucking believable. <laughs> I I, I, was telling I literally like I, I was literally having a conversation with myself like, do I need to delete social media because it's it's just too fucked up. I was pissed off because I was trying to read it and you were deleting it at the same time. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> uh, uh, and, and I was the funny thing was my niece. Saturday. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Janice. I was telling Bay on Saturday, Nick, that I was like, you know, people when I posted stuff before, I would get you know all sorts of mail or people responded calling me a racist and calling me all this type of shit. Like, man, if you, if, if I hate you, it has nothing to do with your skin color. It has more to do with your level of stupidity than right, your right. skin There's color. enough reasons. Yeah, you, you make it easy to hate you. It has nothing to do with you being black, white, color. you know, it doesn't matter. So you can call me whatever you want. I've had better people call me worse. Trust me. Oh, man, these idiots. <laughs> That's too funny, man. Uh, it, it, it has been a weird week on social media. Like, yeah, we're going back to the football thing. Like, I had posted about the football thing. And then people, like, all start, you know, chiming in on that. And it just, like, like, the whole football thing, like, from the get-go, like, it, I mean, it, it's basically – a whole racist thing, it's been turned into a racist thing. And my whole point was, like, you're boycotting the, the, the flag and the country and all that, but you're boycotting it over racism. Like, it's two, like in, in my eyes, it's like two different things. Like, I, I'm, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I know what I mean, but I don't know how to say it. But it, it just exploded into this whole thing, and then people start, you know, with this whole racist thing war back and forth and, and political agendas and this and I'm like, I gotta delete this. Like this is bad. Like Yeah, here's what I do know, Bay. I do know that like you when you go camping and you're there at night and then like the fire's dying down and there's always that one guy that comes along and like sprays lighter fluid into the fire. That guy is right. a black man. Okay, like every time he made a comment, it erupted. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know what? 
and I told Bay this Saturday that my and my stance and people, if you want to call me racist all day long, Jimmy Janetti Gmail. <coughs> I'll take your fucking letters and I'll tell you what, where to stuff them. But the way I look at it is the NFL man, you pay a lot of money for those tickets. If you're going to that, yeah. that NFL game, you pay a lot of money for those friggin' tickets. You know, a family of four, if you're taking your two kids or whatever and your wife, whatever, you know, it could be a few hundred dollars that you're spending by the time you buy drinks. Dude, I went to the Panthers game the other night. The Coke was $6. Are you out of your friggin' mind? Well, no. You spend a lot of money to go to these fucking games. Shut up and play. That's all you got to do. You don't see the, the guys working at Walmart. They're busting out, you know. In the middle of the workday, they're busting out protests because the cops are shooting people. You don't see this shit. Now, I will say, I'm not the biggest football fan, but, like, straight up, I don't give a shit what happens until the whistle blows. Like, they can do whatever the fuck they want. I'm not paying attention anyway. You know what I mean? Like, put the camera on the cheerleaders and this problem is solved. You know, what did you think? Uh, what did you think of the Steelers, though? Like with that whole situation, like they decided to, to stay in the the locker room for it, and the one player went out there, and then that player the next day had to like apologize and said he was wrong and he caused a problem for his team. I think cowardly, honestly. I think that you need to come out and you need to either be on one side or the other. I think staying inside is taking kind of the pussy way out. You just don't want people to see what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't buy that. Right. Like, pick pick a side. You know what I mean? Like, That's, you know how the game's played. I feel bad for that dude. That dude is a war veteran. Yeah. Right. He was in, I think he was in the Iraq, he was in one of those the recent war. I'm not sure Afghanistan. Yeah, Iraq, whatever. three tours. Yeah, but he is a war veteran. Screw that. Them motherfuckers, man. Pittsburgh sucks. They should have They should have apologized to him. Yeah, no, they absolutely shouldn't have made him apologize. I mean, he, he has my respect for standing with his convictions. You know what I mean? Like, he went out there and told the world how he feels, good or bad, while everybody else was fucking hiding in the dark. They should be. They should have been out there. No, that, uh, what I'm saying is, they should have been out there honoring him for the freedoms that he fought for, just recently, for them to be able to stand right. inside that locker room and do that. You know. Yo, I gotta be. I gotta be honest with you here, buddy. Like, people don't give a shit nowadays. Like. I see shit. I see the most ignorant shit all the time about soldiers, about, you know, how they shouldn't get respect because the only thing they can do is kill people. Like, people don't have a fucking clue what soldiers do on a daily basis, and they just make, you know, wild accusations. And, and lots of people like to say support the troops. Very few people actually support the troops. Yeah, no, they don't. And the new generation, they don't give a shit. They don't want to be part of it. You know what I mean? Like, and a lot of these guys that are, you know, uh, 
even after they're done serving, they go into the National Guard. And and a lot of National Guard people were deployed in the last two uh, two hurricanes in Irma and and down in Harvey, down in Texas, to help rebuild and do things and, and everywhere else. Those soldiers, they went, some of them lost their own homes. They didn't hesitate. They went out there and helped other people. Right. These guys these guys deserve to be honored. That's what's honoring the flag. You want to bust out on racist cops? That's great. There's enough fucking police stations. You guys can stand out all there all day fucking long and bitch about how the cops are racist with your signs, whatever you want to do. But, man, when you're, you know, this is honoring the country, the people that fought for you to be able to bitch, piss, and load. About your yeah, but current I mean, situation, while your millions of dollars are sitting in the bank because you're standing on a fucking field. Fuck you. Here's here's what I'm saying though. Okay, like, why would they honor him when our country doesn't? You know what I mean? Why would they honor him when hundreds of thousands of these guys are suffering, whether they're homeless or drug addicts or in need of medical care or unemployed? or PTSD, and if our own government doesn't give a shit about them, why is, you know, Joe Football going to give a kick, you know, a shit? Right. I mean, it's the sad truth. I'm not saying I condone it. I'm just saying that's the way it is. Right. Well, even what I'm saying is even if they didn't support this guy by stepping out there and showing him the respect by, you know, doing the Pledge of Allegiance and all, they damn for sure shouldn't have made him apologize for going out there himself. Oh, absolutely. Considering, you know, he's a, he's a vet and everything else. I just don't, I don't know. That's no, in a perfect bad. world, they would, they, they would really utilize this guy. Like, they, I, you know what I mean? They would, this guy would have a sizzle reel that they would play with him being a fucking – uh, army guy and then him playing football and him lifting weights like they, that's what it should be done like he should be the most famous dude on the team you know what I mean like but people don't give a shit like that's that's a fact you just said it the, the kid had no idea who, who Shawn Michaels' favorite wrestler was they don't care yeah. They don't have the Here's what they care about. Watching shit on YouTube, making money on Instagram, and iPhones. That's it. They're trying to erase history now. It's not even the fact that they're trying, they don't know the history. They're trying to erase it. Look at a textbook now, a history textbook. I guarantee you it's nowhere near what the history textbooks that you and I read. Here's something. Here's what's fucked up. Like, you know, a few weeks back was 9/11, and you know, well, 9/11. Now they show you all those, you know, shows and like whatever, you know, documentaries or whatever you want to call them, docu shows or whatever, um, on all the networks. Well, every year we sit and we watch them and all. And um, Rita really now like sits with us a lot and watches TV and stuff. And she never saw. And now, mind you, she's gonna be 20 years old. She's like, I- I've never actually sat and watched and saw this footage. I'm like, what do you mean? Hey, like, this is like, what, 16 years later? Like, you've never? She's like, no. I'm like, didn't they like, teach you this in school or show you any of this? She's like, no. 
I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, one of the most devastating days in our country's history. And they didn't even taught you this in school? Because they don't want to feel bad. That's the type of generation that is being raised now. They don't want these kids to feel bad. They, they try to shield them from pain rather than teaching them that, hey, pain is out there. You're going to run into it one day. And then they run into it. They don't know what the fuck to do with themselves. Yo, look, Bay, I'll tell you how crazy it is, okay? I was in a school doing observation hours, and the rule that this school had was that the rules couldn't be printed on brown or black paper because they didn't want people of color to think that we were imposing the rules just on them. (laughs) (laughs) It's It's gotten to comedic proportions where it's laughable, and we laugh about this stuff. But this is stuff that's happening. It is absolutely ridiculous, man. We are raising just this generation of, you know, pansies that cannot handle themselves, that want safe spaces in college. My God. You know what the safe space I would have wanted in college? It's a safe safe, safe space to smoke my weed. <laughs> that, was, that was what we wanted safe spaces for. Not to protect yeah, us from speech so we'll feel bad. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. But that's, the, yeah, that's the generation that's being raised now, man. We are so screwed. The one thing I learned from history, if I remember anything from history class, I don't even remember the fucking guy's name and taught it to me. But the one thing I do remember is those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. If it's not there and you're not teaching it and you're not putting it in these people's heads of why it's a bad thing, we're fucked. It's going to happen again. Yeah. Whatever is going to happen. I I think the bigger problem is going to be that there's a whole generation of just soft bitches. You know what I'm saying? Like, like they're just Mm -hmm. soft. Like, if... Mm -hmm. If for some reason, if somehow Kim Jong-un and the guy from China managed to, like, get together and they were like, fuck it, we're going to war, these kids, like, there are no safe spaces in war. These aren't the kids that would have been 19 and jumping out of helicopters at, when people are shooting at you. These aren't Wild Bill's generation. You know what I mean? Like, these, they, they, want, they think they're going to play fucking SOCOM. They, like, they're going to wet their pants if some shit ever goes down. You know what I mean? Like, these kids can't change a tire without going to YouTube first. <laughs> it's true, man. It is, it's and, so sad, bro. And, you know, they take the lug nuts off with a motorized drill. They, 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 put, they jack their car up with a jack that you just slide under and press a button. You know what I mean? Like, they, they don't know. You know what I mean? Like, turning that little knob. <laughs> Forget about it. What, the, what, what do you mean? A jack where you push the button? Is that what they oh, have yeah. now? Oh, yeah. It's like, and it just, it raises. And then you you hit the other one and it goes down. 
Yeah, you're plugging into the cigarette lighters. It doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. <laughs> now it's just like a cigarette lighter outlet that you can plug your phone in. Mm-hmm. They don't even bother with the ashtray. Yeah, the other uh, – I was traveling with, with uh, a couple of the kids going to a show. And one of the kids said, hey, do you have – do you have a charger back here? And I'm like, no, the charger's up here. I handed him the cable. He's no, 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 no. A charger. Like a port. And what the hell are you talking about? A port charger. Place to plug in the phone. Oh, you mean the cigarette light? Where's the cigarette light? Forget it. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> you just take his phone and throw it out the fucking window. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, uh, they don't you, put cigarette lighters in cars anymore. It's chargers uh, now. <laughs> There's no lighters anymore. People oh, aren't going to know. They, like the new generation aren't going to know that they used to make. They used to put ashtrays and cigarette lighters in cars. Look, yeah, dude, no I'm not even sure if you put a 14-year-old in a car that had windows you had to roll down yourself. I think they would die in there. <laughs> <laughs> dude, that that would be one of them memes. The struggle is real. Where's the button? Where's the button? Oh, man. Oh, bad, oh, bad. Or how about, how about not automatic locks? They really wouldn't be able to get out. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. The scary you world we're living in. We're going to be old as shit, and that's who's going to have to protect us. <laughs> I know. Oh. Uh. Uh, so uh, here's something fucked up for you, um, Genetti. I haven't had a chance to tell you yet, Alex. I haven't told anybody uh, except for like two people. Um, that remember that uh, show I taped last year? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It's airing tomorrow. He's air- oh, it's geez. airing tomorrow. Oh. Yeah, and the only reason I found <laughs> out was um, the pirate's wife saw the preview for it earlier in the week, and he shot me a message. He's like, uh, I think they're airing your episode. And then I did a, a Google search on TV Guide and saw, yeah, I was like, motherfucker. <laughs> Yo, are you guys, are you in the commercial? You know what? I have not seen, uh, I only saw the preview, the, the write-up on TV Guide of what the episode's about. Did I, I think I sent oh, it over man. to you. Did I send it over to you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> That's traumatic. Uh, you, you know what? Like, I I should do that right now. You're not going to watch it. I need to set my... Uh, I, I, I want to watch it. I really do. I don't do? know why. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't either. You fucking hate yourself for well, watching it. 
you know, I I told Bay that Nick, I don't know if I told you. I I told Bay I was on the Sally Jesse Raphael show uh years ago. I think this was oh, wow. like nineteen ninety or maybe eighty nine, ninety, somewhere in there. Um, it was it was it was around ninety because I, I had known you then, and uh, I remember we told yeah. we t- you were talking about it um, in the wrestling school um, before yeah. it, when you went to tape it or whatever. Yeah, and the gimmick was my sister had worked for somebody that was they were looking for uh, kids. It, it was totally rigged, man. It was totally rigged because they were basically looking for kids that were like good kids that did bad things. Or something like that. So yeah, they wanted me to to play this kind of reformed kid, uh, and I went up and did it. My father and I went. They drove us up there and, and took us to the hotel and gave us the hotel for the night. Blah blah blah, and then drove us back the next day after the show. And yeah, none of the shit that they told me that they were gonna do. They were putting shit up on the screen. They never said anything to me about like I burned my house down when I was a kid. Yeah, it was just weird. Yeah, you know it's funny because I almost was on uh, the Jerry Springer show. The girl I was doing the story with didn't have ID to get on the plane, so we ended up not going. That was a blessing in disguise. Yeah, right. I've had I have several buddies like Bob Starr. They Bob Bob's been on the fucking Jerry Springer show like five times. Oh, I remember. I, I was, he would always be on there. I was yeah. supposed to play a racist guy who was dating a black girl. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, dude. A lot of these, you know what? And in that aspect of of all this shit. You know, really, it's it's nobody believes these shows are fucking real. You know, everybody yeah, knows it's work, and you know, all these fucking talk shows are a work. It's true. That would probably be the best defense. You know, it's a work, and they worked you. I mean, they did work, honestly. Oh, totally. When, oh, they totally did. When they, when, they, when they put you on there. So, I mean, I, you know, uh, uh, that just sucks. It does because there's other factors involved. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I mean, let me, let me pull up this thing because I want Janetti to read it and I mean, the factor that's involved it really like infuriates me the way they're they're doing this, the way they're doing this fucking show. Really, I think the one good thing you have working for you is that the time that it airs isn't really, you know what I mean? Right. And nobody's pivo in that shit. Yeah, there's no sure way to There's no way to watch. And you know the CW doesn't care about ratings when it puts it on, especially in the <laughs> afternoons. What else are they going to fucking do? Air more air more episodes of How I Met Your Mother? <laughs> Fuck. Uh, there you go. I just sent it in the the group chat. What? The, look at how they're yeah. filling the show. Uh, let me see. 
Um, but yeah, also I just I, I wanted to say, speaking of the Sally Jesse Rafiosha, I, I have transferred it to DVD, but I did find the videotape last week and destroyed it and recycled it. So, <laughs> now you got to get it on YouTube. It? Huh? Yeah, no. You be. You never recycled ever. it. I recycled it. You can recycle plastic down there. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I broke it apart with a hammer and I recycled the rest of it. <laughs> yeah, the uh, description is fucking brutal, though. Yeah. Oh, my oh God. yeah. Mm-hmm. Season two, episode fifteen. It should have been season two. It should have been season one, episode one. <sighs> Oh my God! Uh, right? Are you fucking stupid? Uh. Mm-hmm. Look, you got a fucking moment of silence out of Jimmy Janetti. <laughs> Look, I, I think like if I, I see, I have to watch it. I think in, either way, if I don't watch it, or if I don't watch it, if I don't watch it. And nobody sees it, I, I'll be okay. But if I do watch it, I'm going to go fucking ballistic. I know that. And if somebody sees it, like I, I'm, I'm just waiting to get like a message or somebody try to post on my wall or something. Say, were you just on? And I'm. <laughs> <laughs> You're like delete, 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 delete. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Unfriend. As a matter of fact. Like, <laughs> As a matter of fact, I, I need to like. You know what? Right and honestly, you know what? You know what? Uh, hey, dude, go with go with it to work. And you got paid for it. <clears throat> I don't think it's gonna work, and I'm gonna tell you why without saying why. Okay. The the subject matter, especially the second part of that subject matter, I I think it's gonna be brutal, and I think people are gonna be like. Why the fuck would you do that? You know what I mean? Like, I think editing is not going to be your friend. Oh, no. I I know it's not because as I was going out onto the stage, the way they had edited stuff in the, like, the opening segment that was, that was Jess and him and the video segments they edited, at that point, I was fucking ready to go nuts because it was so fucked up. And I just knew it was going to go downhill from there. Well, yeah, but that's, I mean, they set you up for a lot of that shit because that's what they did with me. Like, they waited until I went out. You know, I'm sitting out on the stage. You you don't have a video monitor out there. So you don't see what the shit is going on. Right. You know, they were flashing stuff up under my name that was like, you know, beat up his father. Shit. <laughs> I mean, Seriously, man, it was stupid shit. They, they did. Were putting they up did. I remember watching it. I remember watching and it, it was and being like, kind of like, wow, like Jenny's a fucked up dude. <laughs> yeah, right. And and my, you know, when it finally aired, my father and I saw it. We were like, what the hell? Because this was my sister that said, you know, that that called us and asked us if we would do this. And it was like, what the hell are you doing? So yeah, it's it's shit, man. It's, you know they they do that to me. 
you know, they won't tell you what they're doing beforehand. Well, I, I am, <laughs> I am just right now changing my my timeline for the next so many hours, the next few days. <laughs> Only I can post on my timeline. <laughs> yeah, right. This way, if people Otherwise, say it, they can shoot me a message. Deleting shit. I know. <laughs> well, here, babe, I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> I'm not going to watch it. I'm sorry. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I had a hard enough time watching me on, on that show years ago. Traumatized. I don't watch those type shows anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think it's... Uh... It's just like making an appointment to be pissed off. Well, no, because at worst, even if this shit is true, you know, most of the stuff you see on, like, Springer or, or Jerry, whatever, no, what's his name, Maury or, or uh, yeah. any of these shows, if it is true, <laughs> you know, some of these people are the dumbest fucks in the world. If it isn't true, I mean, it's stupid shit. Why, you know, I don't get it. I really don't. But this guy's just a schmuck. Oh, yeah. So, all right, well, on that note, 1130. (laughs) We're gonna wrap up on that. It's eleven thirty. I'm gonna go watch Fen Gooley. Fen Gooley. Fen I'm gonna uh like Saturday night. You're gonna lay in the bed until two PM and then get pissed off. Like <laughs> Don't nah. <laughs> hey, you know what you do, dude? Here's here's what you do. <clears throat> Tape it. Don't watch it till Monday. <laughs> so that way, at least Ooh. you have the weekend. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, that's I, I definitely I was gonna have just tape it, and at some point, this way I have it on tape. I can watch it when I can. Work up the courage. I think I'm gonna wait and it, like wait and see if people see it first. Yeah, right. Because I I would I would at least try to go with it was a work and we got paid. Either that or is it work and they they Shanghai us. Whatever the case, but yeah, if you're yeah. gonna have a, you, I'm sure you'll be explaining it to some people. And anybody listening, don't ask. Yeah. Don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh boy. All right, let's wrap it up. I'm uh I'm already mentally exhausted and it's not even here yet. <laughs> so all right, well uh Thanks for everybody for tuning in. Thanks to our crank caller for uh, crank calling us. Thanks to Kristen Burt for uh, catching us up in the world of Dancing with the Stars and the loss of Hugh Hefner and 
um, James Woods and <laughs> uh, and uh, our guest Kelly Roach. Check her out, KellyRoachCoaching.com. And um, our other guest never made it. She texted. She was running late. She was going to try to call in half hour later, but check her out, AshleyBurgess.com, I think it is. And uh, thanks to Nick and Janae. Yeah. All right, man. Until uh, until next time. Good night, everybody. Next week. Good night. To <laughs> pray pray for us. We're going to need it after tomorrow. Sure. All right, everybody. See you. Mm-hmm. Stay here, man.